All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you could take your seats, please. We so appreciate that. Very good. A rambunctious crowd, it may be. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could take your seats, please. Hello. 75, 100 and a quarter. Listen, folks, take your seats, please. Thank you. All right. Beautiful. That's right. That's right. Okay, we are now going to call to order the Broward County Commissioner's meeting this Tuesday, April the 18th, 2023, at 10.06 a.m. We're now going to ask you to please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, followed by a moment of silence, which we'll talk about momentarily. And I'm going to have our main gentleman right there from traffic come out and would you listen to pledge please thank you you listen to pledge you listen to pledge you're in charge you're in charge you're today say the first word and then everyone takes over say i there we go to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you so much. Because he's, he's the best dressed right there, I think. That's why I brought him up. Ladies and gentlemen, it's indeed customary that we observe a moment of silence in honor of notable persons from our community who have recently passed. So I'm going to now ask my colleagues if they wish to uh, notice anybody to start with. Commissioner Rogers, anybody? Senator Geller. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, two, actually. First, uh, Senator Nancy Dietert recently passed away. Senator Dietert was also a county commissioner um, from Sarasota County. We saw her frequently at Florida Association of Counties. Senator Dietert was a Republican senator that uh, we all got along with from both parties. Uh, was an example of the bipartisanship that we used to have in the Florida Senate that I miss and hope that one day we will return to. I would also uh, like to point out that today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. Um, many of you know I was, uh, the, I'm the past chairman of the board of the Holocaust Documentation Education Center. Uh, this is a day of remembrance for the six million Jews that were lost. Um, in the Holocaust, uh, it was uh, these days of increasing anti-Semitism. It is something that we certainly need to remember. And um, I know there will be ceremonies throughout the world on this. I'm certain Senator Rich also has some comments on this, who's also been extremely active in this issue. And um, those, are the, those are my comments. Very good. Commissioner Vice Mayor. Thank you. Mayor. Um, uh, yes, I, I do have comments on that, but I also want to mention about Nancy Dieter. Um, all of you, many of you would not have known her, except some of you who go to Tallahassee regularly. Uh, she was really a, an amazing person. She was a tough, tough woman, but fair, um, no, very principled. And she was one of, uh, she was in the, in the House and the Senate when I was uh, in, in both. 
Uh, and when I was the leader of the Senate, uh, she was one of the Republicans that crossed the aisle on a regular basis to work with us uh, on things that were important to her. Many of the same things that we talk about uh, up here. Um, and as I said, she was extremely principled and she voted the way that she believed. Um, things have changed a lot, I guess, but uh, she is someone I will always remember because having a, an extreme minority as the Democratic leader, I was able to count on a number of people on a regular basis and she was certainly one of them and she will be sorely missed. She was extremely involved in foster care. Uh, as a matter of fact, a whole uh, program uh, uh, facility is named after her in her community in Sarasota. When she passed away, she was the vice mayor of, uh, of the Sarasota County Commission. Uh, so uh, my heart goes out to her and her family, and I please keep her in your thoughts. Um, next, I want to mention it is Holocaust Remembrance Day this, this week, and there's a certain man uh, that I'd like to mention who passed away last week. His name is Ben Ferenz, um, and he is a Nuremberg, he was a Nuremberg prosecutor who devoted his life to preventing genocide. He died at the age of 103 in West Palm Beach, uh, where he lived in Palm Beach. Um, he was the last surviving member of the prosecuting team at the Nuremberg trials that convicted Nazi ringleaders for crimes against humanity. Um, he was only 27 years old, had never actually had been to Harvard Law School, but he had never uh, had a case before when he was appointed to do this. Um, and uh, one of his uh, comments was, vengeance is not our goal. Nor do we seek merely just retribution, he tells the tribunal. We ask the court to affirm by international penal action men, man's right to live in peace and dignity, regardless of his race or creed. The case we present is a plea of humanity to law. Uh, he has been honored by so many different groups, and uh, he just received recently in 2022 the Congressional Medal of Honor, thanks to the lobbying of uh, a number of uh, represent U.S. Congress people, particularly Lois Frankel. Uh, so uh, he is someone who um, we certainly should remember, especially at this time of Holocaust remembrance. And I just have one last thing I'd like to read. That's um, a quote from, from, uh, from Ellie Wiesel. How does one mourn for six million people who died? How many candles does one light? How many prayers does one recite? Do we know how to remember the victims, their solitude, their helplessness? They left us without a trace, and we are their trace. We tell these stories because perhaps we know that not to listen, not to want to know, would lead you to indifference, and indifference is never an answer. Whoever hates, hates everybody. Whoever kills, kills more than his victims. This fiery memory remains, and we, you and I, you and all of us now are its very privileged custodians. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Commissioner Dean? I just echo my colleagues' comments. Thank you. Commissioner Bogan? Commissioner McKenzie? I do have a. I have technical difficulties, first of all. Um, I know I mentioned Fred Hall a couple of weeks ago, but he, he passed. This is the gentleman that was hit a police chase uh, while I opened his shop one morning. Um, we funeralized him last Saturday, and then we lost another um, person from the neighborhood, uh, Anthony Glasgow, a real um, 
first family of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, heart attack, died. But the next name is Miss Butler, Betty Butler, born and raised in Pompano, um, but spent 59 years in Fort Lauderdale in historic Dorset River Bend. And she was a special lady. I mean, she would tell, tell it like it is. Um, she was a mother. She was uh, a truant officer. Uh, she would uh, give you food. She would give you a place to stay. But she always straightened out the crooked and take care of the neighborhood. And Betty Butler, 84 years of age, um, went on uh, to do other work. But I just wanted to mention her today because I knew you knew the family. And uh, Betty Butler will be missed. Thank you, Commissioner. I just want to recognize two individuals as well. Norman Kent was a longtime gay activist advocate, recently passed away at the age of 73. And Ernie Segrist, um, who was a longtime public servant in our community as well as the county and the city of Pompano Beach. In his early years, Ernie served the United States Army Special Force, known as the Green Beret. Uh, he ultimately went on to be an instructor at the West Point Military Academy in New York. And he worked at the Purchasing Division for Broward County from 87 to 92. And then he was named the Purchasing Director for the City of Pompano Beach. And he retired and he came back to work for the city. But to Ernie, we will truly be missed. Let's also honor the brave women uh, who have served and continue to serve our armed forces, both here and abroad, and thank them for their service. A moment of silence, please. Thank you. you. May be seated. Okay, today's music was brought to none other than our own Vice Mayor Senator Rich, and the songs were "That's What Friends Are For" by Bert Bacharach, and another one by Bert, "As What the World Needs Now Is Love," and that is so true. That is so true. Thank you, Vice, for that. Uh, wonderful music we had this morning. Before we begin our proclamations, um, I just want to uh, publicly thank so many folks that uh, during this recent issue we have gone through with our uh, weather and Mother Nature and what uh, was presented to us in Broward County, um, the exceptional work of each department. Uh, and when I say each department, I'm talking about public works the airport, the Port Everglades Convention Center, our animal care, the resilient environment department, human resources, transit, obviously, uh, and of course everyone at the Regional Emergency Operations Center. But when crises happen, uh, it's just warms our hearts as a board to know that these individuals that that work with us in Broward County, not employees but team members how we come together as one, and how we just step in without even questioning. Uh, and you made Broward County really shine. And those team members that are here today, would you please be stand and be recognized, all those that are here today, please stand.
And it just, uh, it just again, shows your commitment to, to our residents and our visitors. And again, it just warms our hearts for you to be part of, of Broward County. So thank you so much. And commissioners, if you'd like to make a couple of comments about any special folks that you have, have come across during this, uh, this issue, please do. We'll have, we'll have a, a presentation or comments at the end of our meeting by Ms. Sapiro, but if you just wanna say a few words about individuals, I know Commissioner McKenzie, you were in the field and you work for some special people, so I'd like to recognize you. And I don't want in any way, any of you that stood up or any of the 7,000 people that, that work for Broward County, not to be thanked for your efforts uh, doing this one in 1,000 occurrence. It's how you acted, it's how you reacted, is um, what makes me proud to, to serve here at the county. And I know each and every one of my colleagues handled this in your own ways. And I know you were out there doing what you can. We saw the mayor continuously, but when I call Kim Campbell to tell her or ask her um, what's the plan, she gave me some factual stuff that we all got. And then I shared some, some um, stories of what was going on in the BMSD, which is the unincorporated areas and how badly flooded that area was. And with, she said, don't worry, by tomorrow morning we'll have our troops out there and we'll have uh, pumps pumping and what have you. And I just, and I kept drilling in my point, but that morning I called her about seven o'clock, I believe. And I said, where are the trucks? She goes, well, they, they're not there yet, but they'll be there as they get there, we'll, we'll let you know. So I'm out there and I see a guy smoking a cigarette and, um, well, he was taking a break. And he's got this big truck, and I don't see any pumps. I'm like, well, what is he doing? Right in front of the uh, um, park in Roosevelt Gardens. Then she calls me back and says, they'll be on 10th Street and 31st, pumps and everything. I heard around there, and I get that. I see the guy again standing outside of his truck. Like, he's not doing anything. So I get out of the truck, and I approach the guy. I go, hey. What does this truck do? He goes, oh, I've been here two weeks. I'm from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> they just gave me this truck. And then I said, well, what does the truck do? He goes, well, when the pumps come, which they have been here, I block the traffic from the pumps. <laughs> and I want to thank Paul for giving me that education. But <clears throat> this crew, and Mr. Sandy Gomez, and the orange shirts in the back of the room, I saw in action. Um, Sandy uh, approached me right after I left Paul and said, hey, you know, my name is Sandy. You know, I'm in charge of the, the field here. And um, um, like, who are you? I, I'm Commissioner McKenzie. Oh, no problem. Here's my card. If you need anything, call me. But I promise you, there will be a dent in this area by 5 o'clock. I'm talking about four or five feet of water. 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock maybe, the water was gone. Gone. And he explained to me how the systems work, because I was frustrated by different areas. And if you didn't do one, you couldn't do the other, and then there was a process and what canals we pump in. So there's a lot to learn when we're, when we're talking to the, to the public about this, just like I tried to explain to the city of Fort Lauderdale about minerals. But anyway, Sandy and his crew, I'm sorry, Mr. Gomez now, and his crew uh, did a, an exceptional job. So I come back the next day, you know me, want to double check. And now they're sweeping the streets. 
They're sweeping the mess up. So I owe you a great debt of gratitude today, and um, I'm going to figure out a way how to, how to make it right with you all, not because you did anything extra, because you did your jobs. Thank you. Thank you. And we are going to lunch, by the way. That's it. <laughs> Anybody else wish to make a comment? If not, uh, again, thank those department heads, Mark and Jonathan and Trevor and Emily and, and Corey. Thank you so much. And Tara and Jennifer, again, just leading your, your folks to where they need to be. So blessings to everybody. Thank you. Keep up the great work, okay? Yeah. <clears throat> All right, we're going to move on to our proclamations. I believe we have two this morning. Our first one will be... For Sexual Assault Month and Denim Day. That's why everybody's in jeans, by the way. And presented by our own Vice Mayor, Senator Nan Rich. Be presented to Lisa Goldberg, Executive Director of Coast to Coast Legal Aid of South Florida. Uh, Mindy Jones, I believe, is here too, Director of Programs and Compliance of the Family Law and the Victims of Crime Unit and Coast to Coast Legal Aid of South Florida. And Anne Marie Furrer, I believe, is here as well, hopefully, Human Services Administrator at the Nancy J. Cotterman Center. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome and look forward to the proclamations from our Vice Mayor. All the, yeah, all the staff, please come up. Everybody come forward please, if please. you're part. You're more than welcome you're, to you're join us. You're a team. <laughs> the ladies that we met over here on this side, why don't you all come forward too? Please. You had it already. Huh? It's okay. <laughs> okay. No, no. C come here. Just right, just right around here. Yeah. We're going to take a picture. This later. is a very important come item, so we want to make sure everybody participates. Come, just come around. That's good. Okay. <laughs> you took the time right. to be here. Okay. Okay. This is very. This is always a very special uh, proclamation, and uh, because we are, we are, we are very special in Broward County with the way that we um, handle um, sexual assault and the wonderful uh, program that we have that uh, most people in the state don't have. <laughs> so thank you so much, all of you, for being here. So we'll go ahead and uh, read the proclamation, which gives everybody a, list, a little background again about why we wear denim. And it's so much fun to come and take a picture with everybody, all my colleagues, wearing denim. Um, whereas sexual assault can affect any person regardless of gender, age, class, or sexual orientation, and experiencing sexual assault causes far-reaching physical, emotional, and psychological damage to survivors and their communities. And whereas public education and awareness can help prevent sexual assault by reducing the stigma around reporting sexual violence, increasing our understanding of informed consent, and promoting open communication in healthy relationships. And whereas April is Sexual Abuse Awareness Month, which brings awareness to the prevalence of sexual assault because every 68 seconds, someone in the United States is sexually assaulted. The theme of this year's Sexual Assault Awareness Month is drawing connections, prevention demands equity. And whereas Denim Day is a day of solidarity in April where participants wear denim in honor of the countless victims of sexual violence we interact with every day. Whereas Denim Day began as a response to a 1992 Italian Supreme Court case that overturned a sexual assault conviction on the basis that the victim was wearing tight jeans. 
before she was attacked. The court believed that the victim must have helped her attacker remove her jeans, implying her consent. This decision came to epitomize the harmful myths and attitudes surrounding sexual assault. And whereas Broward County's Nancy J. Cotterman Center operates our certified sexual assault program, accredited children's advocacy center, and child protection team at no cost to the client, the professionals at the NJCC are specifically trained to provide services such as forensic medical exams, crisis intervention, and counseling for survivors of sexual assault, child abuse, and human trafficking in a safe, non-threatening environment. And whereas Coast to Coast Legal Aid of South Florida provides free legal assistance for the underserved communities in Broward County, such as people who are unhoused victims of domestic violence, persons living with HIV AIDS, and many others who are at high risk of exploitation, and whereas Broward County and its partners will continue to fight to prevent all forms of sexual abuse while providing protection, care, and services to survivors. Now therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County, Broward County Commissioners that the Board hereby designates April 2023 as Sexual Assault Awareness Month and Tuesday, April 18th as Denim Day, joining the Nancy J. Cotterman Center to encourage racial equality, racial equity, awareness, and prevention of sexual violence. I'm Lisa Goldberg. I'm the Executive Director of Coast to Coast Legal Aid of South Florida. I want to tell you that we're very honored that you're recognizing us today for the work that we do. I'm so proud of my staff who do the heavy lifting here and each and every day represent victims of domestic violence in court. These are difficult, difficult cases and uh, I'm so proud of my staff and I'm I'm really honored that you recognize the victims in our community and the victims of human trafficking as well in our community. And uh, thank you, Nancy J. Cotterman, for working with us each and every day in this uh, effort. And thank you for recognizing us. Thank you for the proclamation. You're welcome. <laughs> Senator, if we can have everybody come forward with a photograph, that would be great with the commission.
Thank you so much for everybody being here for Denim Day. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have another proclamation as we let those folks leave the chambers. Our next proclamation will be given by our own Commissioner Udine on behalf of E911 Telecommunications Week, Tom Gallagher Awards, presented to Wendell Clement from Broward BSO uh, Communications Operator, as well as Patrick Thurman, the Coral Springs Emergency Communications Supervisor. Commissioner Udine, you can bring, our, you, bring your folks up and... Thank you, I'm gonna invite the Gallagher family who is here with me. Thank you. Uh, to come join me. We do this and we recognize our uh, 911 operators every year. I think that this year we probably saw the article in the paper with respect to the storm that just happened. This was one of the busiest time periods. And we've dealt with this for the last few months. We've talked about this a lot. And I think we saw during this last emergency how important these 911 operators really are for the community. The system, you know, just, it was inundated with calls. Uh, because as much as we try and tell people, and, you know, people call 911 first whenever there's something in it, and it gets in the system. Um, we are honoring two people today. The first one is, uh, in, in no particular order, uh, Wendell Clement. Is he here? He's not here, but I know his team from BSO is here on his behalf. And we have Patrick Thurman from Coral Springs, and if any of the other Coral Springs officers wants to want to come up, we have uh, two honorees for the Gallagher Awards. Um, Mr. Clement, on September 8th, 2022, received a call from a male who had arrived home to find his girlfriend blue in the face and not breathing. He quickly launched the appropriate protocol for cardiac arrest and began hands-on chess within 39 seconds. He received a letter of commendation for the seamless handling of the incident. He remained calm and spoke with the caller as if they were friends rather than a stranger reading a script. This is what a perfect call sounds like when we look at a call for this type of emergency. Uh, Mr. Clement also received an eye care pin for providing excellent customer service and performing his job effortlessly. The other recipient is um, recognized for her actions on March 3rd, 2023, at approximately 1,700 hours, the parents of a 16-month-old child noticed that their child was missing. The family had just returned from a water park. They searched the interior of their home with negative results. Moments later, mom knocked on her neighbor's door and desperately asked female and male neighbor to help look for the child. The female neighbor entered her backyard and observed the child face down in the lake behind their home. She advised that the child was just inches from the edge. The female neighbor screamed for her husband and jumped into the water. The water was deeper than she expected and she was unable to get the child out of the water. Her husband then raced over and jumped in the water. The two of them were able to get the child out onto shore and called 911 
uh, as the, the male called 911 as the female began CPR. Communications service supervisor Patrick uh, Thurman answered the 911 call. The call was initially frantic and incoherent. Patrick was able to navigate the difficult call and ascertain what was happening. He recognized that the people on the other end of the line did not know how to perform CPR. Patrick offered to help and walk them through it. This was clearly reassuring to them and changed the interaction for the better. Patrick was able to give CPR instructions to both neighbor female half uh, and the child's mom. He was able to calm them down, give clear instructions, recognize that the CPR was going too fast, was able to slow them down, uh, and he instructed them to continue giving CPR until the first officer arrived on the scene. The child was then raced to Broward Health Coral Springs. He was in critical condition upon the, the arrival at the hospital. On 3-8-2023, the treating physician advised that due to the actions of the individual uh, who performed the CPR prior to the child's arrival at the hospital, the child survived and is in the process of recovering. Patrick is a 27-year veteran of the Coral Springs Emergency Center uh, and a C the CPR instructor for the center. His experience showed throughout his actions um, and, and, and the actions were responsible for saving the child's life. With that, whereas 911 is nationally recognized as the number to call in an emergency, it's essential to educate the public on the proper use of 911. Whereas every day dedicated public safety telecommunicators serve Broward County by responding to requests for emergency assistance. Whereas during National 911 Education Month, we take this opportunity to honor professional public safety telecommunicator Thomas W. Gallagher Jr. who grew up in Broward and de dedicated his career to public safety. Thomas Gallagher showed exemplary leadership and distinguished and compassionate service as an emergency dispatcher. Whereas Mr. Gallagher passed away suddenly and unexpectedly on September 28, 2012, after more than 28 years in public service, and in the spirit of his outstanding dedication, his memory and service are honored with the annual Tom Gallagher Memorial Public Safety Award. Whereas Wendell Clement and Patrick Thurman have also exhibited exemplary leadership and distinguished service in their role as public safety telecommunicators and therefore have been designated as the recipients of the 10th annual Tom Gallagher Memorial Public Safety Award. Now therefore be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners that the board hereby designates April 2023 as National 911 Education Month in Broward County. We recognize them for their service. We thank everybody for their service. And this is signed uh, by our mayor, Lamar Fisher. And I'm going to present these to Me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I just wanted to take the time to say thank you to the commission, Mayor Vice Mayor, for recognizing the important work 
uh, and dedication of the 911 public safety telecommunicators, uh, not only in Broward County, but throughout the state, you take what we do as a profession seriously, understand how what we do saves lives and makes a difference in our community. So we appreciate the recognition. Thank you. Thank you. And a special thanks to Gallagher family for being here this morning as well. Thank you so much. Picture time. Dunbar, always great to see you as well. Okay, again, congratulations to our proclamation folks. We so appreciate you being here. We now move to our reading clerk, Kyle Benkowski. Kyle, welcome. Good morning. And I'd like you to read our Tuesday morning memo, if you would. The Tuesday agenda memorandum. The following are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are 1 through 37. Public hearing items are 38 through 41. I request, I'm sorry. The regular items are 42 through 50. I request the following withdrawals and scrivener error corrections and inclusion of additional information. Withdrawals, deferrals, substitutions. Item 46, withdrawn for further staff review. Scrivener errors. Item 49, currently reads, fiscal impact cost summary. Any revenue generated by participation agreements will be general revenue subject to board appropriation. Should read, fiscal impact cost summary. Any revenue generated by participation agreements will be general fund revenue subject to board appropriation. Additional information. Item number eight, signature pages have been received. Item 39, proposed placeholder resolution has been replaced with executed resolution. Item 40, uh, the proposed placeholder resolution has been replaced with the executed resolution. Item 45, the board's consideration of this item will be based upon the amended motion statement and proposed forbearance agreement distributed as additional material. May request without objection, items 49 and 50 be moved to consent. Additional material regular meeting. Item 1B, board appointment. Item 45, motion to motion statement and forbearance agreement submitted by the Aviation Department. Thank you very much, Kyle. We are now under a consent agenda. I'm gonna ask for any polls. I'm gonna begin with Vice Mayor Rich, any polls? Very good, Commissioner Bogan. Commissioner Bogan here. Commissioner Dean. That's right, Commissioner Dean, no polls. Commissioner Bogan, you have any polls? No, sir. Okay, thank you. Uh, Senator Geller? Yes, sir. Very good. Commissioner Furr? No polls. Commissioner Ryan? In fact, Commissioner McKenzie, any polls? Very good. Commissioner Rogers? Yes, 24F? As in Frank, okay. Very good. Ms. Sapiro? No, sir. Very good. Mr. Myers? Nothing, Mayor. Thank you. Mr. Melton? No, sir. Very good. Can we one from the public? No public polls. Okay, very good. So I'm going to have uh, our Mr. Mars read the consent agenda for consideration. Go ahead. 
Thank you, Mayor. Uh, today's consent agenda is uh, items number uh, one through 37, and we're subtracting uh, from that uh, item 24, which was pulled by Commissioner Rogers, and then added to the consent agenda are items 49 and 50. Mr. Mayor, move approval of the consent agenda as read by the county attorney. Second. Senator Gelder moves it, seconded by Commissioner Rogers. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Did my voice change? Well, my motion carries unanimously 9-0. Thank you so much. We are not item number 24F, Kyle. Item 24 is a motion to file the following financial statements and audit reports. F is the Broward County, Florida Transportation Surtax Program Special Purpose Financial Statements. Fiscal year ended September 30th, 2022. Very good. Commissioner Rogers, you pulled this item? Mm -hmm. To my colleagues, reason for me pulling this item. Just need your microphone on. It's the red light's not on. There we go. You got it. On and off. You I pulled it. the item not because something is wrong. It's because something is good. I love it when we are transparent. I saw that in reviewing the report. I'm always following the dollars, and I know the taxpayers want to make sure that we're doing everything that we must. I have just one issue as it relates to our shuttle bus and the salaries that are being paid for the drivers, and we're competing amongst ourselves, but I can assure you I'm talking to staff they're responsive they're helping they're guiding and we are going to bring this to a resolution so I just want to let you know all is well very good so I'm going to ask for a motion for I'm 24a through F move it all second move it in second by Commissioner Bogan second by Senator uh, Geller I got to get all straight all in favor say aye aye one two punch opposed thank motion you. carries nine zero thank you so much Okay, that puts us now on our regular agenda, our public hearings, actually. Public hearings on 38 through 41. We'll get 38, Kyle. The public hearing on item 38 is now open. Item 38 is a motion to adopt resolution granting a non-exclusive, unrestricted franchise to Security Management Innovations, Inc. for a one-year term to provide marine terminal security services at Port Everglades. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion now closed. Moved by Senator Geller, second by Commissioner Rogers. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Item 39. The public hearing on item 39 is now open. Item 39 is a motion to adopt resolution granting a non-exclusive unrestricted franchise to host agency LLC for a five-year term to provide steamship agent services at Port Everglades. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion closed. Is there a motion? Moved by Senator Geller, second by Commissioner Udine. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Item 40, Kyle. The public hearing on item 40 is now open. Item 40 is a motion to adopt resolution transmitting to designated state agencies a proposed amendment to the capital improvements element of the county comprehensive plan. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion closed. Moved by Senator Geller. Second. Second by Vice Mayor Rich. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. <clears throat> that concludes our, oh, one more, I'm sorry, 41. 
The public hearing on item 41 is now open. Our final public hearing item is item 41, which is a motion to adopt resolution approving the proposed modification to the boundaries of the City of Waterhill State Road 7 Community Redevelopment Agency, approving the proposed finding of necessity and approving the proposed amended Community Redevelopment Plan. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion uh, closed. Move it. I'm going to move it by Commissioner Rogers and second by Commissioner McKenzie. I got it. All righty, since it's their districts. <laughs> uh, any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. That does conclude our public hearing. We are now on our regular agenda, item 42. Item 42 is a motion to approve the terminal lease agreement between Broward County and Swissport SAUS SAUSA LLC for the lease and use of 385 square feet of operation space at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Okay. Moved by Senator Gallagher, second. second by Commissioner Bogan. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Item 43. Item 43 is a motion to approve the terminal lease, terminal building lease agreement between Broward County and Caribbean Airlines Limited Co. for the lease and use of 257 square feet of airline ticket space at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Move it. Yes. It's good. Hey, it's, 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 hold on. Mr. Least, hold on, Mr. Myers. Piece, but I think it's sufficient for the record. Hold okay. on. Mr. Myers, go ahead. Yes. Uh, Mayor, the, the, the lease also is of 287 square feet of additional space, but it's sufficient uh, for the record. It's for the record. So the record you. is made. Moved by Commissioner Bogan, second by Vice Mayor Rich. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. 9-0. Item 44. Item 44 is a motion to re uh, motion A is a motion to reaffirm sole source standardization of SGI Matrix LLC proprietary matrix frontier computer controlled access system software equipment and related support and maintenance services at Broward County's Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. Motion B is a motion to approve technology products agreement between Broward County and SGI Matrix LLC for access control system services at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport for an, in, an initial two-year term in the maximum not to exceed amount of $18,669,410, inclusive of initial and all renewal terms. Okay. Very no good. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Thank you. So moved by Commissioner Second. Furr, second by Commissioner Bogan. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Item 45. Item 45 is a motion to approve termination of the terminal building lease agreement and lease and use agreement between Broward County and Silver Airways LLC at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. Authorize the contract <coughs> administrator to send notice of termination pursuant to the agreements and authorize the county attorney to take all legal steps necessary on behalf of Broward County to recover all amounts owed under the agreements together with costs, interest, and attorney's fees. There are seven speakers signed up. The first one is Brian Fordham, okay. followed by for, Mark Mears. First, first of all, Kyle, thank you so much. Sure. We're going to introduce uh, Mr. Myers. Did you want to make, we have additional material here. I want, legally, I want to put on the record what is proper, then we'll turn over to Ms. Sapiro. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, so uh, last night we alerted you to the fact that we reached a proposed agreement uh, with Silver uh, and that there's a uh, forbearance agreement uh, that was distributed along with an amended motion statement. So the and the Monday night memo reflected the amended motion statement. So I'd like to just read that into the record generally so the board understands uh, we didn't have a chance to circle back with everyone by phone because it didn't happen until about nine o'clock last night. Uh, but before the board is a two part 
motion that was distributed as additional material. Uh, part A is a motion to approve the uh, forbearance agreement. And uh, before or after public comment, we're happy, or, or Ms. Apero may be happy to walk you uh, through the terms, whatever everyone's will is. And then part B uh, is basically a motion to delegate authority to the county administrator to terminate the underlying agreements if, if payments are not being met. It's, it has a few more words in there, but it's in the public record. Uh, and that's what's being presented to the board this morning for consideration. Good. Then I'm going to have Ms. Shapiro uh, talk about the item first before we take the public, because I want everybody to understand exactly what we're dealing with at this particular time. Also, I want to thank all parties for their steadfast uh, uh, burning the night oil to make this happen. So, Ms. Shapiro. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and thank you, Drew. Um, so as Drew uh, uh, began to allude to, um, the the agreement, the forbearance agreement, and the terms um, that are covered in front of you. Um, we were able to reach um, agreement last night a little around 9 o'clock. Um, and so that is what you do have in front of you. Uh, this is a culmination of um, a lot of, of, of discussion and work uh, between the parties over the last uh, about uh, year and a half now. Um, uh, this has gone through a series of, um, of a couple of default notices um, between uh, before Silver with uh, with FLL, um, so we have um, before you an agreement that we believe um, really serves uh, the community and our airport's interests and the county's best uh, interests. We believe that um, it is fair, um, and the um, and Silver we are we are hopeful that this will bring forward um, a, a path forward. On, on a relationship uh, where they uh, remain current uh, on all of the, um, the uh, invoices. And this forbearance agreement is an important step um, because it's imperative that we treat all airlines equally. Um, so we would never be uh, jeopardizing our FAA grant assurances to do anything otherwise. So it was the responsible action for us to uh, bring forward to you. Um, it is something that I recommend, our airport director recommends, um, and our county attorney and, and the legal team recommends. So um, it took us a bit of time to get to this, but uh, we're hopeful that, that you all will support this and see all the terms. I would like to be able to um, ask my airport director, uh, Mr. Gale, to come forward and, and give some words before. Um, we probably will ask Drew if you would like to walk through the, the particulars of the agreement, but I'd like uh, Mr. Gale to come up and give some history as well. Very good. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Gale. Good morning, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners. Um, as the County Administrator uh, has alluded, uh, it's unfortunate that we've gotten to this point but uh, with, with respect to the history, but we're pleased that we're actually here today to, to try to talk about the appropriate path forward. Um, have had an opportunity to speak with each of you and give you a little bit of background and history as, as Monica has uh, stated. Uh, the issues date back several years, pre-pandemic as a matter of fact, um, but they really started to get more significant in the 2021 timeframe. Um, as we've discussed, we've hit certain points in our negotiation process with Silver Airways uh, relative to proposals that came forward uh, that we, uh, as the airport team and with the county attorney's office, felt uh, that what was being proposed in order to clear rearages uh, were either uh, insufficient and in terms of, of their material uh, value, uh, dollar-wise, uh, time-wise, whatnot, were either potentially illegal, uh, that would put the airport sideways, uh, as Monica has referenced, 
relative to certain FAA provisions or just not consistent uh, with our business model that we have at the airport. Um, uh, as is identified in the original agenda item, uh, we did uh, find Silver Airways in default in January of 2022. Uh, at that time, when we defaulted Silver after attempts to try to clear up their rearage, uh, their CEO, Mr. Rossum, gave me a call and said that they were about ready to close um, on a deal that would provide an opportunity to pay down some of that arrearage uh, to BCAT um, if we held them in default, that would have jeopardized that deal. Uh, he asked that we rescind that default notice, which after consultation with the county attorney's office, we did. Um, and Mr. Rossum held true to his word with respect to that, and Silver did provide a significant down payment. Unfortunately, after that, uh, some of the arrearages and the outstanding balances started to climb again, and the airport felt the need to hold Silver back in default in September of uh, 2022. All that information is in the original agenda item. Uh, we did continue to try to work through issues uh, with Silver. Unfortunately, weren't able to get there until last night uh, in order to try to properly close the item uh, out and provide a path forward that would work for all parties. Uh, to, to the county administrator's point, and again, where I find myself as an airport director in terms of what I can or what I'm willing to do with respect to protecting our airport uh, and federal law, I'd just like to read you one paragraph from our grant assurances that are held uh, with the FAA in terms of how we treat uh, all of our airlines, and particularly under uh, grant assurance number 22, which is entitled Economic Non-Discrimination. Uh, and this particular one is 22 paragraph E. Each carrier using such airport, whether as a tenant, non-tenant, or subtenant of another air carrier tenant, shall be subject to such non-discriminatory and substantially comparable rules, regulations, conditions, rates, fees, rentals, and other charges with respect to facilities directly and substantially related to providing air transportation as are applicable to all such air carriers which make similar use of such airport and utilize similar facilities subject to reasonable classifications such as tenants, non-tenants, and signatory carriers and non-signatory carriers. Classification or status as tenant or signatory shall not be unreasonably withheld by any airport provided an air carrier assumes obligations substantially similar to those already imposed on air carriers in such classification or status. So we have followed that letter quite clearly to make sure that we weren't uh, disparate uh, in our treatment. Other airlines that have been late on their payments have uh, made good on those, uh, on those arrearages with late fees uh, assessed. I think that the deal, the forbearance agreement uh, that is before you for consideration today, again to echo, county administrators. I do think that that is uh, in the best interest of the airport and the county and hopefully in the best interest of Silver Airways and hopefully we'll be able to see them prosper and move forward and grow. Uh, and I would like to uh, thank uh, particularly the county attorney's office, Drew, Renee, and the team, but most especially 
our lead attorney at the airport, Councillor uh, Attorney Alex Williams, uh, has been working on this with me probably for the better part of two years. So with that, um, if you want to go through the aspects of the deal or have Drew go through the aspects of the deal, and I'll just remain here for questions. Yep. That would okay. be great. Thank you, Mark. I just stand by, uh, Mr. Gale, and I'm going to turn it over now to yep. Mr. Myers just that for the terms of the transaction. Yep. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Myers. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, it's it's a short deal. It's it's pretty straightforward. I'll just hit, hit the very high notes. Uh, basically, uh, the county is forbearing from terminating the agreements, which the county would have had the ability to do, provided uh, Silver fully complies. Uh, if Silver doesn't fully comply, then the county can terminate uh, through the county administrator. And what it sets up uh, is a stream of payments uh, with the first payment. Uh, if, if the board approves this item now, uh, we will watch Renee or someone walk over to Ms. Apero, get her to sign it. Uh, we'll email it, and we're expecting the wire today uh, for the for the first two hundred thousand. Uh, and then uh, Silver would come into compliance with the, with the remaining balance over the next year through April nineteenth of twenty twenty four. There's a small dispute uh, as to just a, a subset of, of what the county is claiming is due, and, and uh, Silver disagrees. So we've set up where the last installment that's to be paid is going to be based upon an agreed-upon amount. Uh, if we can't agree on that amount, uh, then the parties uh, are reserving all of their rights and remedies to address that. But a very substantial amount of payments will have already been made by that point. And then just after that, by one month, in May of seven, uh, May 17th of 2024, uh, Silver will have fully replenished its security deposit. Uh, there's no separate uh, collateral. One of the things that I think uh, held off the deal for a while is there was this intention to uh, come up with a forbearance in the short run and then have a long-term uh, deal that's more collateralized since these payments uh, drag out for a bit. Uh, but a, a business decision was made, which is, you know, which is up to you to, uh, to confirm or not, uh, but it seems reasonable, uh, given that some of the payments are pretty accelerated, uh, to move forward with just a single agreement. Uh, so this is the agreement that would resolve everything. Uh, and then, aside from that, there's uh, the standard boilerplate at the end of it. So that's essentially it, Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Myers. So now we've heard, again, I wanted to be able to set the stage of where we're at today, uh, and then I'm going to have our public speak, and then we'll end up with a commission discussion. So, Kyle, we'll have our first speaker, please. Brian Fordham, followed by Mike Mears. It's it's possible that some folks who had signed up to speak Correct. are not going to be here, here because people did know about this item. And uh, I, I just also want I mentioned this in an email to you last night. If the board, for whatever reason, is is inclined not to approve this agreement uh, because people stayed away and wouldn't really be publicly commenting today, uh, I would be asking the board to, to please table the item or defer it for two weeks to come back so everyone would have the opportunity to comment. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Dean, before I want to continue the public, go ahead. Oh, 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 oh Let me just finish the public. I want to make sure that, that we, as, as we call them out, make sure Brian's not here, correct? Mark, okay, next speaker. Mark Mears. Mark Mears, are you here? I see none. Go ahead. Scott Cartwright. Scott Cartwright. Evian Medrano. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, again, I, since they signed up, I won't have to go through the names to make sure that they are here in proper order. So, Mr. Rossman, do you want to come forward and speak first? Oh, please come forward, sir. Got to have our due process here. And, and since 
Okay. Any other speakers that, uh, besides Mr. Russell? Would you just ru read those names, Kyle? James Mc McKittrin, Stephen Rossum, and Douglas Reese. So I think we're all good now in the public, with the exception of Mr. Rossum, okay? So just for the record, all public names have been called for, and Mr. Rossum is the one who will speak now. Good morning, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, um, Ms. Vice Mayor, uh, County Commissioners, Administrators, County Attorney's Office. Um, first, um, thank you to the airport staff for returning FLL safely. Um, I was one of those guys who got stuck on Griffin Road in my car last week. Um, I can only imagine what it's been like to clean up and rectify the, the airport. And Fort Lauderdale is our most important operating hub. Our employees, we have many, many employees who work there. Um, they're all safe. They were treated professionally by the staff, and, and we're glad to see that the airport is recovering slowly. So first, um, our thanks to that. Um, secondly, um, our thanks to uh, the commission. Our thanks to the county attorney's office, to the county administrator's office, um, to uh, BCAD and their team um, for a interesting negotiation, um, but it was done professionally. Um, I think everybody had the right interest at heart. I think everybody wants to see Silver succeed in this community. Um, we have 883 aviation, aviation professionals at Silver, over 300 who live and reside in Broward County. And obviously, um, we're an integral part of uh, the FLM network in terms of routes we provide, services we provide, um, and you know our partners like United JetBlue and otherwise in terms of what we do. So our, our sincere thanks. Um, in order to uh, you know mitigate the time and be more efficient with everybody, um, I'd like to at least recognize a couple of our employee groups who are here. Um, they've agreed to yield their time to me in, in, in the interest of efficiency. First, uh, Captain Scott Cartwright is here from the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Um, Scott has been a long-term um, silver uh, pilot and captain, um, very passionate about aviation and very passionate about our company, and, 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 and we thank Scott. Um, Maria Salinas um, is here, um, Broward resident. Um, she is the head of our flight attendants union, the Association of Flight Attendants, and we really thank the Teamsters and the AFA, um, both our local folks and, and, and nationally in terms of the, the tremendous response. What we saw was a, a, a tremendous response from our employees, um, our business partners, um, and the community, okay? Silver's important to this community, um, and we need to do a better job and rebuild our trust with, with, with you, the county commission, and with the airport authority in terms of timely performing payments, um, working cordially and professionally with, with, with uh, Mr. Gale and his team, and um, you know, having Silver live up to its full potential. Um, obviously, um, you know, we, we have a payment that's scheduled for today, and um, we will be current going forward. So if anyone has any questions, if not, I will, will, will yield my time. Thank you so much, Mr. Awesome. Again, thank you for your team and our team working uh, in the late hours to make it happen. We appreciate it and look forward for Silver Airways to continue success uh, at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood National Airport. At this point, I want to open up the commission discussion, then we'll ultimately have our motion on the amended motions. Thanks. But I'm going to recognize Commissioner Dean first. I just had one question, um, maybe for Drew or Mark. Um, does this new agreement put us in compliance with the FAA guidelines that, that Mark had mentioned when he came up here as far as, you know, treating everyone fairly in grant applications? Yes. Yeah, and, and Mr. Gale, okay. I don't know if you wanted to elaborate at all. I think um, the answer was yes. It's fine. Okay. So okay. That's, that's all we need. Okay. All, I need. all right. Senator Geller. Uh, question for County Attorney. I had 
briefly while I was discussing this with Mr. Gale and the attorney, I had suggested a 48-hour notice and cure period. Is that in the contract? It's uh, been changed to three business days. But there uh, is but a notice and cure period. Yes. Thank uh, you. But all, all notices on that by email, so no delays in delivery, and three business days to cure. There you go. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan? This will be a question either to uh, Mark Gale or to um, County Attorney. Uh, in order for um, Silver Airways to become that far delinquent for you know an extended period of time, um, you know something was going on wrong. So I mean, what assurances have we gotten that um, uh, that Silver Airways is kind of um, you know, modified or, you know, enhanced its business model that, you know, it would be less likely for us to see these type of uh, defaults going forward. Mr. Gale, I'm going to, uh, fingers are pointing to you, sir, to answer that question. So. Yes, sir. Good morning, Commissioner Ryan. Uh, the forbearance agreement has very clear provisions in it that should Silver not live up to the obligations that have been spelled out of all the milestones, the money today, the money in 30 days, the repayment of the security deposits, and then the longer payment term of the arrearage over the course of, of nine months. If there's any defaults along that way, uh, then if the board approves this motion, it lies within the hands of the county administrator and her authority to terminate the agreement if necessary. Well, the initial, uh, you know, uh, breaches of the terms of the agreement basically on the, the payment schedule, mm -hmm. uh, they initiated prior to, um, you know, COVID coming upon us in early 2020 and then have continued since, um, you know, uh, the public has been uh, back pretty much, you know, I think traveling, um, you know, without any kind of uh, uh, inhibitions. So uh, I'm just wondering if um, um, we had an understanding of what was going on, how they got into default and, and then the you know, dragged it out for so long. I mean, when I asked the question about have they somehow changed their business model, I just hate to see this become a, uh, you know, a repetitious, you know, a bad cycle on, you know, chasing payments. Um, I think the one part might be best left answered by Mr. Rossum with respect to their business model and changes, and they've, they've done some of that over the course of the last several years. They've, uh, uh, you know, been bought um, back in 2017, and Mr. Rossman came on board as the CEO at that point in time. Um, we've we've had conversations about the effects of the pandemic um, on their airline um, and them converting <coughs> from smaller aircraft to larger aircraft, and, and, but they still have significant expansion program uh, within their company model that we're looking to see whether or not that materializes or not. With respect to, and I've provided some of this information to the commission before, the history of the payments and the history of the arrearages, and you will see a lot of ups and downs and hills and valleys in there. Uh, it's unfortunate that in the 2021 timeframe, that just got to the point where the airport could no longer continue in that in that vein, uh, which prompted the default in January of 2022. Well, it's um, you know it's encouraging that they're you know optimistic about expansion plans, but you know we also have uh, multi-billion-dollar expansion plans. And uh, that's going to lead to, in my estimation, uh, 
some additional assessments against all of the airlines, you know, as they participate. So, you know, I read in the backup that uh, part of Silver's, um, you know, objections were that they had to pay special assessments and additional fees that they had not budgeted for. So I'm hopeful that in these discussions there's been, you know, a, you know some kind of a uh, understanding that, you know, there's a, a number of special assessments and charges going forward and, you know, what kind of commitment are you getting to, um, you know, to Silver Airways? Um, you know, saying that they're going to be able to fulfill those obligations. And right. in the same vein, um, um, the security deposit had been forfeited when, um, when they were in default, when Silver was in default. And um, you're building it back, you know, um, into $100,000 increments. Um, how much uh, do you, um, did you agree to or, or is going to be sufficient for us with a you know, security deposit going forward. If they do default going forward, I'd like to, you know, have a little bit of a better cushion, you know, as we um, pursue our remedies. So I'll take the second question first. Commissioner, I'll come back to your earlier question about um, the special yes. assessment. So the, the second question, the second question with respect to the security deposits, the forbearance agreement spells out um, after the, uh, the first uh, period where we collect the two hundred and the three hundred thousand dollars respectively, the next two payments to the county uh, a month apart at one hundred thousand dollars apiece is to go to replenishment of the security deposit. That is approximately fifty percent of the security deposit that we're going to require. Once they get to the end of the <coughs> repayment period, whether that's nine months uh, after that, uh, there's another uh, payment that's going to be required to fully replenish the security deposit to approximately right now I think our figure is four hundred and seven thousand dollars so it will be significantly higher uh, than what it was previously and it'll be the security deposits are geared towards the activity levels and the payments that we normally see on average coming from the airline group with respect to the assessment um, I want to be clear about what that is uh, I've come before this body several times when we talk about how this airport has applied CARES funding and CRISA funding that we received from the federal government um, even uh, previous county administrator Bertha Henry, working with us with CARES money, was able to send some money to the airport to help offset some of the increased costs that we had, law enforcement and whatnot. All of those monies were applied to our balance sheet, approximately $200 million worth, that went to benefit the airlines and to reduce their obligations to us. Signatory carriers, by virtue of signing on to the agreement, accept the fact that as a residual-based airport, charges go up and down, and when revenues are short at the end of the year, and we do a true-up analysis on our balance sheet, that they may be required to actually remit funds to the airport. It is a very well-known and part of our agreement. <coughs> the $700,000 that Silver uh, has referenced, $711,000, was one of nine assessments that were done to all the signatory carriers. And while theirs was certainly sizable for them as an airline, we had other airlines that had assessments of eight or nine million dollars. Maybe I think one even was ten million dollars. Our shortfall that we were making up for even after the application of all of the grant monies was still thirty seven million dollars. And that was brought before this body when we did our FY twenty one budget um, and showed that in there. So that is where that assessment comes from. 
In good years, when revenues exceed expenses, much before the pandemic, um, you would see airline rates be able to go down the following year with no assessment. We would carry that excess revenue into the next year um, and uh, adjust the rates accordingly. But when we don't have the revenue coming in, we need to do special assessments at time in order to bring ourselves back into, uh, uh, from a fiduciary responsibility to be where we need to be. And that's what that was. Well, I think this uh, board and the entire county uh, owes a uh, small debt of gratitude for uh, your perseverance on this. And uh, this fairness, I believe, you know, is, is recognized, understood by all of the airlines. And, uh, you know, this is, even though it's just a little, uh, you know, uh, regional uh, airline as far as the routes running these turbo turboprops, it is an important service, so, you know, you made a very good effort to make sure that we can keep them on board, um, you know, as long as they do fulfill their obligations. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Ryan. Well, our last speaker on this item will be Commissioner Bogan, I believe. Go ahead. Um, Mr. Rossum? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to let you know, um, while I love aviation, I've been a lawyer for 40 years, I'm certainly not competent to run an airport, nor am I competent to run an airline. So I just want you to know that I, as a commissioner, as elected official, have the utmost confidence and respect for Mark Gale. I, I can't speak for everybody here, but I assume I speak for most, if not all, our commissioners. And I will generally defer to Mr. Gale's recommendation. And it's because of his recommendation today I'm going to vote to support this. And I just wanted to let you know that. Well, thank you. Um, uh, Mr. Mr. Russell, you don't need to come to the podium if you okay. want to so we can get you on the record. That's all. That's okay. That's okay. Um, uh, thank you, Commissioner. I appreciate that. Um, we have tremendous admiration and respect for the uh, for the airport authority. Um, Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International comprises forty percent of our operation. I just hope there will be a good working relationship to get our issues resolved. Yeah, so. we we are committed. Um, I brought my senior leadership team here today, um, so we have the opportunity to to shake hands with Mr. Gale and his team, and as well, um, we really want to get off on a good start. Um, we think it's it's vitally important. Um, you know, I'm I'm actually um, disappointed um, in my behavior and that of some of the others. We did not pay our bills as, in accordance with the terms. That's not how we go into business relationships. Um, occasionally, businesses have difficult decisions to make, um, and I think the the outcome today. Um, both in terms of BCAD, the county attorney's office, the county administrator's office, is, is fair to the county, um, and it's very fair to Silver and our, our 883 aviation professionals. Perfect, perfect. Okay, thank and you I, very much. And I know you have our wire instructions. We do. We, we have the wire instructions. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll, move the, I'll move the item. Yes. Uh, Commissioner Udine is moving the item as amended the motion Second. statement, correct? Second. Second by Vice Mayor. Uh, let me take that back, Vice Mayor, if I can. Second by Commissioner McKenzie. At the, uh, so the, the motion is, of course, the amended motion statement has been moved in a second. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously, 9 to 0. Thank you so much. All right. Congratulations, team. We appreciate you. Okay, that concludes our agenda. We are now under... Um, not agenda, I call them report section. I'm going to switch up a little bit because I'm going to go to Ms. Sapiro first, if I can. Oh, she's signing. The, oh, look at that. Historic signing. Mr. Rossum? Mr. Rossum? Mr. Rossum? Mr. Rossum? 
She, she just inked the deal right now. All right, so you're good. Okay. Again, penny that wire. All right, very good. <laughs> Thank you. No, we're good. Where's your name? She just signed it. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Whatever you need. Okay. We appreciate it. Okay. Okay, again, uh, as we on our non-agenda uh, non items, I'm going to begin with Ms. Sapera because I want her to provide uh, an update that might answer some of your questions before we go to commission uh, level at that particular time. So, Ms. Sapera, we'll turn it over to you right now. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, and thank you uh, for your support on that last item. I think that was... Uh, a good outcome for the county and for silver um, two quick things before we get jump into the uh, um, our, our response and the impact of the historic flash flood um, I do want to recognize and I think it's right on time and right on point that April is National County Government Month so um, it's, it's a good uh, month to recognize um, the, the the great work of our, our larger county team um, and, and focusing on, on resiliency um, uh, and the inclusion and solvency and empowerment of, of our organization and the community. So um, I wanted to make sure we give a special shout out to our county um, team. I'd also like to um, share that um, I know that we had a ribbon cutting that was scheduled last week in the middle of, of what we encountered, but um, yesterday um, officially opened was the Miramar Park and Ride. And so that was a, a long time coming and we're really excited about that. Um, it is open to the public and everything seems to be running smoothly. Uh, and that was a $7.4 million state-of-the-art facility. So I want to thank you all for your support and making that project come to fruition as well. Um, and now on to um, some, 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 a little bit of an overview of what kind of occurred last week. But before I really get into the nuts and bolts, um, I, I could not be sitting here giving you this amazing update without, and I'd like you to join me in thanking Ms. Campbell and for doing an outstanding job last week and leading our team um, and leading our team um, and, and it was all hands on deck um, Kevin Kelleher and Michael Ruiz in my uh, office as well um, Tracy Jackson you, you named a lot of our directors but every single um, director and many many of um, our employees really came through um, as they do every time they are called upon um, to respond to the needs of this community. So I really want to give a special um, um, thanks to all of our directors and, and all of the teams below um, that structure. So I'm going to um, give you a little bit of an overview, and I think this will be good for not just you all, um, but also for the community. And, and I will tell you that um, you know the updates that um, Kim sent out each day during that um, was a, a, a culmination of all of the directors, you know, um, uh, fulfilling their missions and, and making sure that all of that was communicated so that you all had the latest information on, on the, um, the, the collective group's um, response. So um, as you know, on Wednesday uh, the 12th, um, we um, initiated in, and we started into uh, partial activation um, and at level two. Um, and, and the state of emergency was um, signed and effective at 12.01 on Thursday morning, Wednesday evening. Um, the governor's executive order also took effect that next day on Thursday, April 13th. Um, this was an historic event, as you all know, nearly 26 inches of rain in a seven-hour period. 
Um, so I heard um, a couple of days before this event happened, I, I was informed that um, we had uh, a, an entire foot of capacity. Um, on Monday, I think Dr. Harada was giving a, a talk on resiliency. Um, the irony, 20, 48 hours later, we lost that, um, that foot of capacity in, in minutes, right? Um, and so without that, I, I fear that, you know, um, the, the impacts could have been even more severe. So, um, you know, with the swift action of our teams, um, we went through a, a whole host of things. I'll start with FLL. You know, we closed operations um, at 5.41 p.m. on that Wednesday due to the, to the flooding that um, began happening. Um, and, and with um, um, 9.06 on Friday, um, less than two, two days later, we were back open. So if you remember seeing those, those images of, of the lake that we had there uh, at the airport, that was uh, quite a heavy lift for the airport team. Um, you know, Mark rushed back as well, and, and Mike Nonamaker and, and the team there did an outstanding job. Selena Salcedo, um, it was all hands on deck. Mike Basito, uh, I mean, I could name, not, I'll go on and on. Um, but, uh, you know, they initiated the passenger distress program um, that was activated on Wednesday evening. They deployed um, the, throughout the terminals to answer questions and distributed, you know, snacks and, and water bottles, 1,800 water bottles and blankets were distributed. We had a lot of people stranded, staying the night there. Um, as we heard and you saw, we had a lot of folks on Perimeter Road and whatnot also stranded in vehicles. Many of them um, were um, rescued, but uh, some of them had to stay the night in their cars. We've heard accounts of that. So um, it impacted that operation significantly. We'll switch over to the port. Um, a, an initial lightning strike uh, took out power for a period of time, uh, flooding slowly uh, uh, returned. After flooding subsided, uh, we were slowly able to return to normal operations. Cruise operations reopened on Friday. Um, and as you know, five of the 12 petroleum, uh, private petroleum companies suffered damage. Um, and and they can, we continue to make repairs uh, there. Uh, flood waters uh, slowly uh, watered, uh, flood waters slowed the delivery um, of the fuel. Uh, to the tankers by the remaining seven companies until yesterday. Um, and mutual aid from our neighbors in uh, Tampa and Canaveral um, also have come to help with fuel uh, distribution um, and uh, the delivery. So we will continue to see improvements there. Um, again, and I know you've made uh, many um, uh, media appearances, Mayor, and have assured, reassured the public on, on the petroleum side uh, and, and that is, is not a, a concern of ours, and then we will be making sure that that gets delivered out. Um, we'll switch over to transit. Um, we experienced some minor delays, obviously, on the routes that were um, heavily um, impacted with the roadways flooding, um, but all, all routes were restored by Sunday, um, and, um, and we also hosted a City of Fort Lauderdale comfort station at Fleet Services number two. So, um, you know, that was just another example of, of the uh, community partnership um, that we really um, extended to all the municipalities and, uh, that were impacted. Um, our facilities management group, um, you can imagine, you know, this building itself got impacted as well. Our annex, um, they were uh, around the clock here trying to make sure that we were able to uh, be reopened for the public and for our our uh, employees, we reopened on Friday, um, except for that fl first floor services, um, the SOE property appraiser, 
our enterprise resource planning and some of our records taxes and treasury which opened back here on monday yesterday family success center and human services we reopened on friday um, in time for an influx of calls uh, for help from displaced renters our human services and 311 are providing referrals and assistance locating alternate um, housing options um, those needing help with moving expenses are being triaged uh, per our eligibility requirements I'll switch over to the libraries um, they were closed on Thursday but most of them reopened by Friday um, our resilient environment uh, department supported not just our internal um, operations but also Broward County Schools uh, I received my first phone call from the interim superintendent early uh, on, on Thursday morning as well we immediately deployed um, some drone uh, pilots, uh, six drones and pilots and, and four building inspectors to help them accelerate their building um, and damage assessments. Um, and they were able to open, as you know, yesterday as well. Um, we addition they additionally conducted some damage assessments of homes, particularly the BMSD, um, beginning on Friday and continuing throughout the weekend. Animal care, I know you all heard a lot about that. That seemed to be, that and our medical examiner seemed to be like a castle with moats around it. Um, with, with a ton of water there um, that during that uh, initial um, phase uh, roughly 20 staff um, at animal care remained remained in the shelter overnight uh, on Wednesday and starting on Thursday we were able to get some of those employees out and back in to uh, to give them some uh, relief um, and, and through the obstructed flooded streets um, so because those remained close to the public for safety reasons, but uh, ensuring that emergency staff were there at the facility to take care of the animals we had on hand um, throughout the event. We reopened again to the public yesterday. Um, parks, numerous park facilities remain fully or partially closed uh, due to flood waters, and we are opening those um, as, as expeditiously as we possibly can. Um, as I mentioned, medical examiner, um, they were closed to the public because of access um, on Thursday. Uh, those streets in the parking were completely uh, flooded. However, through a collaboration with fleet services for the transport of cases and emergency workers to the facility, um, death investigations continued throughout the weekend, um, and then we reopened to the public also on Monday. Public Works can't say enough about um, the crew um, widespread through that entire um, um, enterprise there. Uh, the BMSD sandbag distribution site opened on Thursday at Delavaux Park. Uh, we completed all the dewatering of the BMSD um, on Saturday and transitioned to debris removal, as Commissioner McKenzie also highlighted. Um, the continued dewatering efforts of the county and non-county roads. We also did some of the non-county stuff to be able to free up uh, the county access um, to our roads and facilities as well, and those were reopened yesterday. Um, water and wastewater services provided our sewage uh, tanker truck to uh, the city of Hollywood to assist in um, flood relief. Uh, high water alarms um, went down from 53 alarms down to 14. Um, our, our teams are working around the clock to continue to make sure that everything is um, uh, running on all pistons and, and making sure we're, we're uh, operating smoothly. Um, our contractors are put on notice to deploy quickly to repair potholes and pavement failures. Um, traffic engineering successfully repaired and reset all flashing traffic signals. Um, by Friday um, and mosquito control again you know that is an immediate response that we are are, are sensitive to 
Um, they treated all of the BMSD neighborhoods and previously flooded county facilities on Monday, uh, uh, by month, by, through the weekend, and on Monday, treatments in high-risk areas continued uh, with truck spraying and aerial spraying planned through uh, this week through tomorrow. And um, residents can request uh, spraying online at mybroward.broward.org if you need to request service, and all of this information is on our website. Um, OESBD, um, we are close, they're closely coordinating with all municipalities and business partners to encourage the completion of the State um, uh, Department of Economic Opportunity uh, Business Damage Assessment Survey um, is supported by DEO um, soft launch of three resource RVs. They are located at 216 Northwest 22nd Avenue, Park and Ride in Fort Lauderdale. Again, all of that information is on our website for anyone that needs um, additional assistance. Um, the media, as I mentioned, our mayor, um, at least I think we counted at least 20, maybe more, uh, local and national media interviews um, on Thursday and Friday alone. I know they continue uh, through this morning um, and, and um, you know, closely coordinated with our Office of Public Communications. And I know, um, uh, you know, I think you may uh, want to uh, mention some assistance. I know you've mentioned to me that you received. Um, we're happy to provide. Um, our, uh, you know, additionally, you know, county administration, like I mentioned, my team, uh, emergency management, various county agencies provided support and problem-solving assistance to municipalities throughout the event. As you also know, Florida Department of uh, Emergency Management uh, Director Kevin Guthrie and his team came to Broward and were at the EOC on Thursday and Friday. They remained through the weekend to assist um, with some of the municipalities' um, um, issues. And um, between I know many of you um, and our team, uh, myself and, and, and our county administration uh, team, we received um, texts, emails, calls from uh, the White House, uh, members of Congress, the governor, um, state uh, legislators offering support. Um, Congressman Moskowitz came down to the EOC um, on Friday, um, and, and I think he was eager to uh, to learn of, of how we were responding as well, given his former role. Um, um, you know, and, and again, like I mentioned, um, you know, the, the interim uh, superintendent and um, both uh, CEOs of the uh, um, hospital districts. I was in contact with them early on on Thursday morning as well. Um, so, you know, the resources I want to just list real quickly for those that might be listening. And again, all of this will be listed um, on our website. Uh, the Florida Conference Disaster Recovery Hotline for Cleanup, Tarping, and Debris Removal is 855-CAT-FUMC. Uh, the United Way of Broward County, in collaboration um, with the Salvation Army, is opening a donation reception center to collect items for Broward County residents who were impacted by the severe flooding event. And the donation reception center will be open Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9 to 6 p.m. at the Salvation Army Disaster Relief Command Center, which is here um, at uh, 100 Southwest 9th Avenue in Fort Lauderdale. Um, of course, Broward 211, Broward 311, Family Success Centers um, at 954-831-4000, um, Broward.org forward slash Family Success. Click the button on the upper left-hand corner for the links to the, your resources. Um, Report flooding if you continue to have any at flooding.broward.org. And finally, um, you can find updates on the flooding conditions at crowdsource.org.
www.broward.org. Again, um, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Commission, I couldn't thank you enough for your support and the support of the, um, that of my team. Uh, while I was unfortunately kind of stuck out of the country and feeling quite frustrated not to be able to physically be here to help. But um, um, you are in very good hands, very capable, and um, uh, very strong leadership here in my absence. So thank you for all of your support. Thank you, Mr. Pierre. And obviously, Commission will ask you questions as they have their time to uh, report. But thank you so much. Okay. Mr. Melton, do you have any report? No, okay. Just Mr. Myers, any report? So now we're going to go back to the Commission. Thank you so much. We'll begin with Commissioner Rogers. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and I too would like to add my compliments to your team. I was at one time sorry, I said, I can't call Kim. I don't want to call her. Monica is not here. I can't give her all of this burden, but I just want to share with you. It also worked well for me because the reports that came through, I think I've gained two years on my term here. I feel like I've been here because the report was so detailed there's nothing that I missed. I said, this is the tool you have to use to know all the departments and what it takes to run this county. This is awesome work that you do and your team. So I just want to tell you, I'm not going to complain too much anymore. I have all the information that I need. <laughs> oh boy, flooding, you did your part for me. But just want, just want to say thank you. Yes, it did add my extra two years. I will start with just my little projects right now that I'm excited about. I did tour the 911 center in Sunrise. I don't know how they fit in that little room. I thought it was a mega center, all right? So I don't know what we have planned for that, but that is too small for us to function and breathe and not be too close. In a pandemic, I don't know how they survived. That's all I kept saying. This look room, that many people? How did they survive during this pandemic? You, you all did a good job because we, we had that conversation. Um, a homeless challenge is not gonna go away if we're not taking care of our seniors. And I'm gonna tell you why I'm saying that. If we are not able to keep them in their homes because they are not paying their insurance, because they are challenged with a lot of things. I go to a church this weekend and everyone wanted to talk to me. What can you do for the seniors? And I know what it is. They are living alone. Children aren't paying too much attention to them. And thank God for the, um, super, um, the property appraiser with that program he put in place to help to identify folks that are trying to take their properties from them. But insurance is another area that we need to look at. Colleagues, I know we need to look at it. They're losing their homes, and will lose their homes in the event of a fire or because their homes have been paid for. They are not mandated, and we're not forced placing insurance on their properties. No need to do that. But if we don't help them, they're going to lose their homes, and they're going to be, become a ward of our county. So please, whatever we can do to get them back into a place where they're comfortable and they can afford to pay the insurance. It might be by advocacy to the state. Sometimes we don't have to do it by ourselves. We know how to get the state to do some of those programs. I know, you see, we just need to go back there. 
All right, let's, I know we're trying. We just need to try some more because there's a need for us to do that. Trying act, I'm trying to act. He's, and Mr. He's Rogers, you stay, you stay, stay focused. That's it. That's all right. Okay. And there's another issue that I see driving. Just because I was driving up and down the roadway this over these past few days, the wooden poles, the utility poles, the ones that been in our community for over 15 years, because the utility companies are supposed to be removing their whatever it is that is attached to the wooden poles, to the poles that were approved, what can we do to make sure the utility companies are removing them from our communities? They're not aesthetically pleasing. They had no value to our communities or state roads. We, I mean, they're wooden, they're torn apart, they're holding them up with strings. That's what you're seeing if you're looking around. Hurricane season will be June 1st, starting all over again. Those poles will not survive. And they're also creating other challenges because they're the ones that are falling over and will, you know, knock out our infrastructure that we have. So I'm just asking, I'm putting this on the table. I know we know the partners, that if a call comes from the county or a letter comes from the mayor about removing your poles, I'm going to take you on a tour, Mr. Mayor. Be happy okay, to. I dealt with that in Pompano Beach as well. And I know you know. It's so frustrating to work with the cables and uh, and the other utilities to ultimately get those removed. But it is a, it's a challenge, but we'll do our best. I think if we start talking to the state about it more often, they will understand they need to do something. They have taken away a lot of our rights. <laughs> I know. I'm dreaming. Okay, <laughs> we can wish for it. And if you want it bad enough and you work towards it, you can achieve it, and I believe in that. It's a long time coming. The utility companies need to get those wooden poles, rotten poles, that has gone from brown to green. Okay, I don't know if they tried to paint it, but that's where I'm at with some of those. You need to put uh, that state representative hat back on. I, I um, <laughs> <laughs> there's enough to learn here, Mr. Mayor. But we have friends in Tallahassee who want to yes. acknowledge um, state representative um, Lisa Dunkley. She convened a conversation with her cities, and I heard about it, so I made sure I got on that call. So I talked about our airport and whatever they need to do to help us to reopen quickly, and also emergency funding, not to wait on the federal government. They have reserves that they can tap into. All we have to do is ask, so we have to come up with our list, make sure it's in writing. I know it's done, because that's what we, I know this staff does best. They know when to pivot early. Did we declare an emergency before the state? Yes, yes we you did. See, that's what I'm yes, talking we about leadership. We weren't waiting because if we had to go to Washington, we, had, we did the right thing by the residents and the people of Broward County. So, lesson learned. I'm better prepared now, Mr. Mayor. I won't say thank you to the flood at all. I won't give it all of that power, but <laughs> But it's, it's good to learn, and it's good to know that every day you can learn something new. So True. thank you for all you do, and be safe, everyone. Thank you, Commissioner Rogers. Thank you. Senator Geller? Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. A um, number of items. First, um, today was denim, uh, blue jeans day, I guess, no. denim day. <laughs> so I was considering, I do represent the entire town of Davie, 
So I was considering showing up not only in the jeans, but with the boots, my Stetson brand, Stetson hat, etc., and decided against it. But I do represent all of Davy. I've got my big Davy Western belt buckle, but decided against it. Um, uh, yes, I'm sorry? I do, sir. Next. Next, uh, jeans. All right. Okay. Um, secondly, as uh, Commissioner Rogers noted, um, this weekend I presented at a, a Haitian church in my district, a the Living Word Church, at the, a resolution congratulating their them on their 30th anniversary. I looked around and I saw my colleague, uh, Representative, excuse me, uh, Commissioner Rogers there. And uh, actually, when I presented the, I invited her up because it was a county proclamation. But uh, yes, yeah, so she does travel. Um, the um, a couple of other items also. I do serve on the legislative committee of the Florida Association of Counties. If you all haven't heard, they're probably going to pass a term limits bill, which will affect our term limits, which will change or the statewide 12-year to 8-year. It would establish eight statewide 8-year term limits. Right now it's retroactive, but they said that that was just a drafting error and they're going to fix that. But um, just they, they swear that they will fix that. Um, uh, actually, me, there's three counties, but that would affect uh, me. Uh, the three of us that were elected uh, together, Commissioner Udine, Senator Rich, and myself. Uh, but it would affect all of you and, and, and as, as well. as well myself, yes. A um, uh, couple other quick items, though. Uh, first, um, th this apparently, I believe that in 2020, we had a one in 500-year storm, and now we have a one in a 1,000-year storm. So. Uh, I think that the math may be off on these. If you have not read what Dr. Is Dr. Arado still in the room? Okay, if you have not read what our brilliant scientist, Dr. Harado, has written about the increase in the severity of rain, you need to read it because unfortunately she's once again being proven accurate. And as you've heard me say from this dais and from everywhere else I can warn about, Broward was carved out of the Everglades, and I expect in about 10 years or so, 10 to 15 years, we will be returning to Everglades. And what you just saw now will be the norm and not the exception, because our canals will no longer be able to drain us. And I keep repeating this. Uh, Commissioner Udine, uh, you, Mr. Mayor, and myself went and spoke on this to the South Florida Water Management District. I raised this issue time and time again because I am highly concerned that Southeast Florida, with its climatology of subtropical rainforest, will see what occurred last week as the norm in the next 15 years unless we're able to get the Army Corps to accelerate their project. Um, the, uh, let's see, uh, last item is 
Um, a little less than two weeks ago, I had another one of my uh, building trades meetings. As I kept saying, my top priority as county commissioners bring high paid jobs to Broward. And um, it was, we had a great meeting. We had uh, Victoria Brown from the Gang Alternative Program. If you're not familiar with that, you should be. It's a wonderful program dealing with returning citizens from people that have completed their prison sentences. Uh, and, it's, and to try and prevent them, it's really a great program. Um, we had some other people, uh, Lori Wheeler from Marine Industries. If you're not familiar with what Career Source Broward does, I'm not sure everybody knows that you should be familiar with it. I believe, Commissioner Ryan, I believe you're on their board. Um, it's, a, again, a wonderful group, but we tape our meetings, and if anybody would like to come, we meet every about quarter, every two to three months. Um, we are sunshined. You're welcome to come to these. I always tell you about them. If you want to see the tape, uh, they have taped it. it we can sh get it to you on Vimeo or YouTube. It's very, very important that we work in creating these high-paid jobs because in, in the building trades, we're going to have real problems if we don't. And I'll just um, final comment on the high-paid jobs that we are probably going, we put in some film incentives. We have so many films coming to Broward right now that we're probably going to exhaust our annual allotment for this. So the, the films, I'll give you at a future meeting a greater update, but they are really coming here now. And that's all. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Commissioner Furr. Thank you. It has been a long weekend. Unfortunately, it's not over yet. No, correct. There are some neighborhoods that are still reeling yep. um, and are still needing our help. I, I, I can't say enough, though, with, with the cooperation and the coordination of the county's been, not only our departments, but how they've been working with various cities. It has been fairly seamless, um, and everybody has been, has risen to the occasion. Uh, but there are still a lot of, there's some, there's particularly in the south, the part of Fort Lauderdale, part of Emerald Hills, Dania, those areas are still needing our help. And so, and I, and I know we're still trying to help them, so. Um, a couple questions that keep coming up, and that has to do with FEMA. And I think we should put something on our website talking about the need for documentation to see if we reach that threshold. I don't think everybody understands that. Um, I barely understand it. I don't think I do. Um, there is an issue on in Hollywood on A1A where I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, but it actually breached, broached, breached? Yeah. <laughs> the seawall? Uh, the seawall, mm -hmm. and it is now caving in. Mm -hmm. So that whole that whole part, it's kind of weird because that one part, it's, it's next to A1A. The, the area is owned by a condominium but I know I've talked to DOT and, and, and the uh, state. Uh, Mr. Guthrie jumped in and, and got yeah. some aid there too. That because that could quickly just eat at that whole area, so that's that's a um, a big part. Um, I do want to thank Raymond Lewis. He rescued uh, my legislative aide's mom, mm -hmm. and uh, they, and they, I think they you know found a place for her to stay overnight. But a lot of people stayed downtown mm -hmm. uh, in whatever office building they could get into. So. Thank you, Raymond Lewis, for uh, helping that out. And then on, I have started my ILA tour with uh, Greg Ross. Uh, we, had, or we had the first uh, um, city to vote yes last night, Weston. 
Um, a lot of them are on the calendar. We will be looking at this for the, for the waste management on May 2nd. And hopefully we are able to, to bring every city on board. And just again, thank you to all the departments, all the people that have been involved. It, it has really been, it's great to, to watch the infrastructure and everything, everybody just kick into gear. And they just went, they went uh, beyond, the, uh, beyond the pale there, it was great. Yeah, Commissioner Ferg, I'm just gonna, before we move on, about yeah. FEMA, because that was the main question for uh, Mr. Guthrie. And there's a particular threshold. It's either 36 million or 38 million. He was confused yeah, on that get, too. He was confused on what number it was, but uh, he came out of the out of the out of the bag and said, "Listen, I don't think you're going to meet that threshold." And, and, he, and he explained why. For instance, uh, Broward Health, where they had extreme damage at I call it Broward General. I don't know what we call it anymore, but um, he said that can't count. Those numbers can't count because they're insured. Oh. And so, and other public agencies are insured. So it doesn't build that number, that 36 or 38 million to reach that threshold for FEMA. And he was very upfront about that right away. But he said, make sure that every city and every municipality fills their surveys out because we could get there based on those surveys. And I know that staff has been working directly with, uh, Monica, you want to talk about that because that's very, very important. Maybe we can get there, but he right. was not optimistic at the time he hit the ground on Friday. Because we, we are actually seeing some houses that are probably going to be condemned. Yes. In, in, in numerous places. And that was another interesting thing, how the, how the, uh, the regulations have changed. Normally, if, you, if the flooding was up, say, to two to three feet, mm -hmm. uh, then they would condemn it. Not anymore, because oh. his, his words were mud and gut, gut and mud. I don't know what it was, where you could go in and you could go and cut the drywall out. He literally, the, the regulation has changed to the word has to be up to the roof, oh, the wow. flooding, which was there, you know, you're never going to get there usually, right, right. you know, and so they're trying to do, okay, we'll go ahead and we'll replace the drywall as we have to and save the home and not make it a, a condemned home. But those places, the places I'm, that I know of, they don't have insurance. Yeah, so I know. So there's nobody who's going to be. It's, it's, yeah, they, unfortunately, that, that's where it falls in that category. Right. So. Right. Again, Monica, you talk about the surveys, if you would, real quick. Yeah, so, and, and thank you. And you are right with both numbers because it's 36.8. Okay. So oh, you, you got them both, okay. um, that threshold. <laughs> so um, as uh, our emergency management team is working with all the municipalities um, and we're having coordinated efforts and calls and, and right. continuing to stress those surveys to make sure that those municipalities are going out into their uh, those neighborhoods most impacted as well to make sure that those uh, forms and the surveys are are being um, um, you know followed through on and making sure that you know again we don't we don't know when, when that threshold and if it will be reached but um, given what we've seen we would hope that it would be reached so that um, everyone can get the assistance from at that level but um, it is important and we continue to stress that with all the municipalities uh, Tracy Jackson and the team are meeting with all the cities. Okay. So those who represent all those cities, please make sure that yeah. you get to your cities, just, just keep hounding them, saying get those surveys in, get those surveys in, uh, and make sure they, if you can even let them know when they get them in. Commissioner McKenzie, on this particular item. Same, same subject matter, and that's probably all I really wanted to add today. And we're talking about it, and we're confused, and we're, we're policymakers, right? So even when you say surveys, because some cities are saying, each homeowner needs to call them so they can convey the information. Who's filling this survey out? The municipalities, as you just stated, or is it for us to get information from the homeowners who, 
who were impacted. Um, how, how does that work? I'm going to get uh, Mr. Ruiz, if you can answer that real quickly, because it is confusing, Commissioner McKenzie. It, it really is. And so, um, and there's also a reporting mechanism, too. There's a particular right. program that you've got to get into the computer, for instance, 54 Ardell. Right. They have to get that system in because Mr. Guthrie will not recognize it until that is particularly in that system. Right. And then you got Congresswomen, men, cool. senators saying we can get FEMA and all these dollars, but how do we qualify for that? How do we do that? Yeah, you've got to reach that threshold. Okay. Mr. Ruiz, again, I'm sure we're going off base, but no, this, that, is, good, this, this is, good, is more important this, my report. This is a good discussion, yes. So if I, if I can sort of separate a, a couple of different ideas. The surveys that are getting submitted to our emergency management folks so that we can begin to build the case for the state meeting its total numbers um, are really received from the municipalities themselves. There are, each city does have its own process. For example, in the BMSD, uh, we had our uh, RAD team go out and do an initial drive-by survey. We've got dots on every house that we feel likely has some damage. There will be follow-up that will have to occur. That's a general survey that we're going to be providing our emergency mm -hmm. management folks. There's also a request, however, if individual homeowners can do a self-assessment, we have a system where they can submit additional information that goes a little bit further mm -hmm. so we can assist them with reaching out to their insurance company, sort of talking through the next steps. If they're a renter, do they need separate assistance? So there's almost like two separate paths for assessments. There's the individual assessment about the homeowner and to help the individual. Then there's the question of getting that data aggregated by the city to send to us so that we can move forward and hopefully meet the different thresholds required. We have a local threshold for the county, then we have a state threshold so that FEMA will then consider whether or not federal funds will be provided. So what McKenzie's asking is who, who's going to be the, helped? On the homeowner scenario, who do they provide that data to? Is it the city or we the county? To the city. Okay, so it's to the city. And, and now, my expectation as a devastated homeowner. Am I getting FEMA assistance? I mean, there needs to be some clarity of how this works. Correct. And then, because even you just said, we'll help you with your insurance company. Different subject matter, but some people don't have insurance, and particularly in some of these areas got hit in 2020, they weren't able to renew flood. Correct. Okay. <clears throat> right. So in order for FEMA assistance, to, to be available, we have to go through sort of these, this process. Uh, there are other federal agencies that potentially could provide assistance. So there's a difference between what we call public assistance versus private assistance, and the, in other words, assistance to an individual homeowner. Uh, the SBA is often sort of the path for that. So we're, we're gonna be working with FDEM and our state partners to try to get all of that lined up to see what we will qualify for. But at the moment, we still don't have a FEMA declaration so that FEMA assistance is going to be forthcoming. We're, we're going to have to get back to you as we work through the damage assessment process. We have not, Commissioner, we have not, to clarify a little bit more, we have not been given any indication from FEMA or the federal government that we, quote unquote, would qualify, our area would qualify. We all see the devastation that's happening mm -hmm. and, and, and we would acknowledge that we are in need of it but we have not been given an indication from the federal government yet that we qualify under their guidelines. Because and that's what we're trying to build that case in the story. There's so much misinformation is out there and people are expecting these two things to kick in now. And we're Correct. now saying we haven't met a threshold, then that's the message we need to be communicating. That's that $36.8 million <clears throat> threshold that we've got to do that. Correct, Mr. Mayor? 
Just want to, I want to make sure, Commissioner McKenzie. I'm good. Just want to make sure we, we, I'm we glad. understand, I get it out there, right? So they don't expect of us. Correct. Okay. Commissioner Thank you, Rogers, Mr. Mayor. Mm -hmm. Just to follow up on this discussion, I know we have the federal government and we have the state government. What about this government? What do we have? Where can we look to see what we can do, like right now, for those that need us the most? And it's not just food. I should have said to a business that called to business. Can I feed some people for you? People are reaching out. You know, the commercial businesses are helping. But my question is, what is Broad County doing? That's what I'm hearing on the radio. What are we doing specifically? So that so, I can share that with the community. Ms. Shapiro, you can talk about the different agencies that we're working with, but go ahead. Certainly, and, and again, so we will make sure that we get the information to each of you with all of the resources that we are providing, because we continue, and that we're triaging a lot of those calls that we're getting for uh, rental assistance, placing people in homes, um, but all of that is happening on, you know, as we're getting the calls for service. Um, our human services and family success, as some of the um, information I shared in the report, is as we're getting these calls for service and um, rental assistance, food, anything that uh, folks are calling in that they need, we're making sure that um, they're triaged um, in the order they're taken in and then making sure that if there's a, a great need for in individuals that we're making sure we're assisting um, those, in those folks that are calling in. Okay, just one final comment, Mr. Mayor. Sure. At, when we were doing the PPP and the CARES Act and all of that, we were holding um, our constituents' hands and helping them to mm -hmm. fill out the forms. That is where I see that we're gonna need to go to help some of our residents recover. They can't do it by themselves. So if there need to be a department or an area that will recognize that that is a need for our community to help them and to guide them through this process. And, and that is something that we're also helping to educate um, our municipal partners um, and, and that effort because they're the closest ones to um, those neighborhoods and those groups. And so we continue to help educate our municipal partners to do that as well because um, that'll expand the reach um, and, and be able to uh, address those needs as well. And Tara's in the back too, listening a lot of clear. She understands her, her role as well. Thank you. We're moving on to uh, Vice Mayor Rich. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And I'm sorry that I missed the opportunity. I was supposed to have the opportunity to cut the ribbon at the ribbon cutting yes. of the of the uh, Miramar Park and Ride in your stead, and unfortunately that got canceled because people couldn't drive there. <laughs> so I'm glad it's it's open, and I look forward to going out and seeing it. But uh, congratulations to everybody on on that. Um, I have one uh, article that I want to mention before I get into the issue of the storm, um, and that is uh, Senator uh, Commissioner Bogan. I want you to. I hope you've seen this. There was a, a really nice article in the Miami Herald how property fraud victims could see relief. And the article focused on our administrative judge, Judge Tudor, who we have honored, because he has signed uh, an order giving defendants expedited treatment. Uh, we know that our property appraiser- Are you hinting we should do another courtroom for him? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael Udine was thinking about that. So, but it was, it was really, it was really interesting. Uh, it, it, it was, um, uh, I'm just, you know, really proud that obviously he uh, has taken this on now as an issue too. 
among many others that he has, but he, uh, he said that he, he signed an order Friday giving those victims expedited treatment with hearings to resolve their fraud ordeal. He wants to make it easier for people fighting to be rightful owners of their property. Um, and he wants his judges to pay extra attention to cases that might raise any red flags uh, before signing them. Um, also, he did mention in here the focus on seniors as well. So um, uh, hopefully this is going to uh, enable the cases to be moved forward a lot quick, a lot more, a lot quicker. Uh, so that is very, very good. Um, so um, now I have to start by saying, you know, I, I want to thank obviously all of our uh, directors and uh, administrators and everybody as well. But I have to say that, you know, for me, uh, I'm not surprised uh, that so much is being uh, is being done uh, under the uh, the wonderful direction of Kim in the absence of Monica, because uh, I've worked with her the most of probably any of you and uh, on human services for years since I got on this board and. Uh, so, and so much of what we need to focus on has been exacerbated, there, but they're human services, really, so much of it. So I want to thank you for what's been done so far, and I just want to mention a couple of the issues that I would like to see us try to focus on over the next couple of weeks, uh, maybe months. Um, I just also want to mention the website and, and thank Margaret Stapleman, Stapleton and her uh, staff because that it's they got that up there so fast and you know information for people which uh, we just need to get everything out there uh, so that's been that's been very good and also educating the 311 people uh, on all the uh, the ways in which you know they can call and get information uh, at 311 um, so I want to just mention the issues so it won't surprise you I mean it's it goes back to the things that are we've been talking about here for years now affordable housing homeless these are all things, as people get evacuated, they become, if you will, homeless. They're not <clears throat> homeless in the sense of, you know, <laughs> that, they, um, that, that they couldn't afford their, their rent or something, but obviously they've been evacuated from their homes and so forth. So we need to have, um, you know, to focus on places. Uh, I, I want to just mention we, we, unfortunately, we still have people in hotels that have been there for, I don't know, for up to 14 months that have to do with with COVID and with with, well, with homeless, but now you're you know you're looking at, at this. So we've got three hotels. I've been trying to check up on all of this because people keep talking to me about homeless, and some of it is homeless and some of it is not homeless. But this part is are, are homeless people that are still in hotels, um, and um, I just do want to mention that our landlord recruitment program is really moving along extremely well. We have 52. Uh, I'm sorry, 59 new landlords, and people have been calling and actually offering more help. It's a and it's it's really been you know um, amazing. So uh, that's that's been um, that's been a, a very a very positive thing. Um, but we've got about 500 people on the waiting list right now for homeless. I mean, <laughs> that's really a lot, and we have no. The answer is the, the housing, of course, is the is the is the issue. Um, so I just want to make sure that what we're doing though is when we put somebody into a hotel that especially if, it, if it's a homeless person that we have and Tara's in the back I want her to hear this too because we need to make sure that we're having we're, we're doing case management because otherwise after it's over they're out on the street again and I'm sorry but we have got a bunch of people that fit that category right now so I just want to make sure that as we look at all of this we we factor that in and make sure 
that we focus on making sure that we have the case managers, just like we're doing with the school board right now, where with the HMIS system, with all of those families, those kids, we're putting them into HMIS, we're getting them, beginning to get them case management, uh, and then move on to the other, all, all the other needs. So I just think that that's really important. And someone mentioned to me about shelters, and our shelters are full right now, so that's not an answer for, for this particular problem. Um, so um, those are, you know, those are some of the, the major areas. Um, and Ms. I just want to say, as, as Senator Geller mentioned about the, <laughs> about, you know, the Everglades, I mean, you know, people kind of forget about the West. Uh, I will say that we, can, we can't even think about what's happened in terms of housing. But in terms of the land and the, the roadways and the swales and everything, it was, le it was wetland. It was Everglades. So this is what we're getting now. And so we'll have mosquitoes very quickly, you know, out in all of those areas. I was driving through Sunrise yesterday, and I, I mean, there were just pl places you, you just couldn't drive at all because of all the water standing. So, um, and then we had a, a really bad storm again, you know, yesterday. So I think we just need to make sure that it's not the same problems out there necessarily, um, but there are issues certainly with, uh, you know, with, with lowlands and certain with Southwest ranches and Davie and and Weston and so forth, all of our, our Western cities. Um, and um, that's it for me right now. Oh, and I totally want to say, I think Kevin Guthrie is really doing a good job. Sure is. You know, I have to say, everybody, I know that uh, Rebecca McGuire from Homeless has been, you know, working with, with uh, them and been exposed to them. And he's, she said he's really doing an excellent, excellent job. So yes. get that credit, too. Mr. Dean, you're up. Thank you, Mayor, and thank you for the excellent work that you've done this past week. You've really been a comforting, a positive voice for Broward County. Thank you. Thank uh, you. And it's gone a long way for our community. So, thank you. Um, my comments are really, and I just, I see Jonathan here, so I'm going to ask through the county administrator. I'm getting calls, and I know everyone is. I mean, what's going on up to the minute with Port Everglades with the fuel? I'm hearing from you know Kevin Guthrie's office, and from top to bottom, from Tallahassee all the way around. I know we started off, and we said that there were five out of the 12 terminals were operational in the beginning. Then we were up to seven. Yet, give us some up to the minute thing, and where are these stations and our and and. The, the buying public can get relief. Where are we at, like, exactly right now? On the Sorry. gasoline issue, if you yeah, will, On Mr. the gas Daniels. issue, certainly, yeah. <clears throat> Mr. Mayor, uh, Vice Mayor, and members of the commission. Uh, great question, and we're getting that question consistently. Where this storm was so different is the inability to prepare, ultimately, for it. You, have the, you typically have three, four days when you know a, a, some type of natural disaster is coming in. You get the opportunity to get more fuel. You get people that have the opportunity to get out to the service stations. It didn't happen this time. And from the period that we really began to shut down and the terminal operators began to shut down, the 12 terminal operators, uh, Wednesday afternoon and Wednesday evening into Friday morning, that 36-hour period, you're looking at well in excess of 2,000 trucks that did not go into the service stations. So we lost that period of time. We lost that amount of product going in. And then when the, when the terminals started to come back on, only a certain amount of them were coming back on. They were coming on sporadically. They weren't able to get material into the rack, which is the rack is where you actually feed into the trucks. Uh, currently, we have eight that are open, so it's changed a, a little bit. Uh, we continue to see operations come, uh, come up online, and it is all, the entire spectrum of products are now available. 
Uh, and then thankfully the last one that came on uh, was, was gas and diesel. We typically handle about 12 to 1300 uh, trucks a day, close to 7 million gallons uh, of gasoline goes out into the system. We're now a, a little bit above 3.5 million gallons. So we're trying to catch up for what we lost during that 36 hour period. In addition, <clears throat> we're trying to fill as gas goes out and we're doing it with less than full capacity. We don't know when all of the terminals are going to be back up online, uh, but we are continuing to see improvements that are being made. I had the opportunity to talk to Kevin Guthrie as well last night. He was looking for the real story. We were able to give that to him. I updated him this morning and said that another terminal was back, was back online. I can't stand here and say that it's going to be back 100% Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That really is because of the repairs that are going on at the private terminals. Okay. So that everybody does understand, while all of these 12 terminals are inside the gates and inside the fence line of Port Everglades, they're all private, it's all private property, they're all private terminals. They're the ones that make the determination as to where the fuel goes. I will tell you that the pipelines have been operational the entire time. So fuel going to FLL, to MIA, has been going 100% of the time. So if you're flying in or out of here, there will be no disruption there. Now, there may be scheduled disruptions based on the airlines, something completely different. Okay. And we're continuing to see fuel that is going on, and as has been mentioned, we've seen that backfill from the companies at Port Canaveral as well as Port Tampa. Okay. And so you've had that ability to be able to see some additional product come in. We're not 100%. I can't tell you when we're going to be there, but gas, diesel, jet, ethanol, propane, asphalt the entire range of petroleum products are now moving out of the out of the port and are coming to the rack so so just to follow up so we have four terminals that we're still waiting for is there anything that we need to do as policymakers through the county to expedite getting those four online or this is just something that we're working with with the port? it's, it's just repair uh, the pumps were inundated uh, and those primarily are the pumps that run from the tanks to the rack itself Okay. Those ended up under underwater, and unfortunately, it's just a matter of time to be able to get those pumps uh, back uh, back online. And the trucks all can get in and out now, so that issue has been resolved. They they are, and, and, and I, yes, sir. And there is fuel and petroleum at the port and in the sea, and and ready to go. If there's one thing we don't have to worry about right now, it is supply. There are okay. three vessels right now at the docks, and there's five out at anchor, and there are 13 ships en route. So the supply of product is coming. And as soon as those tanks get a little bit low, it continues to flow into those tanks to make sure that the supply is there. I will have to say BSO and the work that they have done to keep that situation calm with the amount of trucks that we have, the amount of congestion that we have on the port, especially this past weekend when we had five cruise terminals going on and all the trucks, they've done an absolutely fantastic job. If you get the opportunity to see social media or get the opportunity to see, see the port itself, yeah, so the hundreds of trucks that are there right now, that are diffusing around, it's a 24-7 operation to make sure that those trucks are in, that they're safely accommodated, and they get back out into, uh, into the community. So I, I've seen the social media. I thank you for what you're doing. If there's more that you need done on our end as far as calling any of our partners, doing anything to make sure that 
we're uh, as helpful as we can be right. to getting more of that supply into the market. I think this is something that's loosening up just from what I'm seeing personally. There's yes. more fuel there now. But if there's mm -hmm. anything more that's needed on this end, please don't mm -hmm. hesitate to, to, to come yes, to us so that we can, you know, make the appropriate, you know, inquiries on our end. And yes, thank sir. you for everything that you're doing at the port to keep this up and running. Thank you. Uh, and thank to you. keep this going. Thank you. Our team, my team is doing a great job. Thank you. Wait, can you ask a quick question? Yes. When you Mr. said this, can I? Yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Um, you said about the seven million gallons a day. Yes. What? Where does it go? Does it go from Dade to somewhere, or Broward from somewhere? What, what counties? It, it is goes. That we we service all the service stations, all the all the fuel needs for the four South Florida counties, but we expand beyond that. We actually service the majority of the fuel for the twelve counties in South Florida. But as far as all diesel, all the petroleum products that are going into Palm Beach, that are going into Martin County, that's going so into... So the problems that we're experiencing, the same problems, then Palm Beach would be experiencing, Martin would be experiencing the same thing. Absolutely. And Dave yes, would be experiencing. But, but Commissioner, I just want to make note, and I want to, I really want to thank uh, Cape Canaveral and the Port of Tampa because they immediately began backlogging and bringing tankers from their own ports to us to help Palm Beach County and those other counties there. So I want to thank them for their mutual aid that they helped us as well. The, the resiliency program in the state is fantastic. If there happens to be depletion in Tampa, it's Canaveral and it's Port Everglades that will backfill and, vi and vice versa. The state works very well together in making sure that the companies distribute into the areas of need. It's, it's been, they don't give us everything we need, but they certainly help uh, with, uh, with, with some of the depletion that we do have. Thank you. Okay, Commissioner Dean, you finished? Uh, Commissioner Ryan, you're up. Thank you. Now, if you could stay there for just oh, a minute. Um, I, try, I tried to get away. Uh, yeah, almost. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Is this some kind of a formal agreement of the uh, the members of the Florida Ports Council that uh, have this arrangement to, uh, you know, to move tankers and, and supplies around to, uh, you know, assist areas that, you know, have some uh, depleted supplies? Uh, that wouldn't be the Ports Council. That would be the state of Florida as itself with emergency management and, and, and FDOT. And I do have to as well say that FDOT really stepped up on Friday. Uh, they granted the waiver to allow for truckers to go beyond what uh, are the mandated times of 11 hours of, uh, of driving time and 14 hours of service. Because of the amount of time that they are sitting uh, at the terminals, uh, the state stepped up with a waiver and granted that on, on Friday. Okay. Uh, I had a question on... Um, individual uh, eligibility for uh, government benefits. Uh, private homeowners, and many of them have had their, their homes flooded. Um, I, I have been told that uh, there's two different standards. There's a, uh, a national standard, and I think it may be, you know, uh, FEMA uh, generated, that you have to have standing water inside of your residence higher than 39 inches. And I don't know. Uh, whether that could be verified or not, perhaps. Uh, uh, Tracy, you could uh, comment on that? Oh, you're, okay, you're checking on that. And I was also told that uh, it's a lower standard with uh, the state of Florida. Um, if you have uh, standing water inside of your house that is higher than 12 inches, that you may be um, eligible. So, um, you know, one... Uh, suggestion to all of our residents now is if you uh, haven't already done so if you can take you know photographs of all of that damaged dry wood and, and cabinets and everything else that got ruined in your house 
And, um, you know, when you document it, we may be able to, at some point, uh, be able to access some federal or state funds uh, to provide some relief because, regrettably, a lot of persons uh, just did not have uh, flood insurance and uh, uh, it was, um, you know, it was a monumental, uh, you know, catastrophe, as we well know. Uh, I, I also did want to say that I um, uh, congratulate, congratulated uh, Mayor Udine on his quick reply to the uh, governor's inquiry about the status of Broward County. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I was trying to give him Lamar's number. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> and that, that was very nice of you to uh, transfer the, the call. Uh, <laughs> and then Lamar only got three minutes with the governor. I only got three minutes. But, uh, I also wanted to just uh, make a general inquiry to uh, to our friend uh, uh, Commissioner Fur. Uh, when is your next tea time? Well, it's going to be a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, you can imagine the golf courses. I mean, uh, everywhere we have the standing water. I mean, four or five days. Um, Woodmine is open. Area, uh, tea time Thursday. My house on 40th <laughs> Avenue between Griffin Road and Sterling Road. Uh, the roads were impa impassable. It was just unbelievable. That's the area where you have the West Hollywood uh, uh, Tower, the um, 911 Communications yep. Tower, uh, the one that we never hear about, unlike the one over at Westlake. And uh, in that area, the water was uh, three to four feet uh, over the roadway for a couple of days. I mean, it was absolutely, people were just, you know, trapped in their homes. It's been a, it's been a monumental, uh, you know, exercise. Um, I also wanted to, to mention something on a uh, on another note, kind of a, a sad note for uh, uh, some of you colleagues. Uh, you know, you were uh, acquainted with uh, uh, former senator and uh, former state representative Nancy Dieter, and she recently uh, passed away several days ago. And she came in she was to the Florida legislature, and uh, she was mentioned this morning. And oh, okay. Oh, so you did, yeah. So she came in in 98 yeah, and uh, so 2006 in the House and then right over to the Senate. And uh, and I know that uh, you worked uh, with Senator Dieter, uh, especially close, uh, uh, Commissioner Rich, Vice Mayor Rich, you know, with regard to uh, foster care and that bill that um, uh, Senator Dieter uh, uh, sponsored that raised the age from 18 to 21 for kids in foster care uh, being able to be provided, you know, housing and services uh, because they, you know, just not ready at age 18 and you can understand why. And uh, just a real loss and, and my main um, observation on it was, I remember those days when Republicans and Democrats just talked to each other and worked out all of these issues and, uh, you know, 95% of the time you could, you could get something done. but. Those are my comments. Thank you, Commissioner Ryan. Commissioner Bogan, you're up. Thank you, Mayor. By the way, Mayor, as I tell you privately, good job. You did a great thank job you. over the holiday. Thank you. Over the uh, time here. Uh, also, Kim, thank you for everything uh, and getting those emails out and updating us. Monica, you're on vacation. I don't even know why you're why, why we need to even have you. You're, I mean, Kim, you did such a great job. No, I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm joking. Monica's great. Um, Jonathan Daniels, again, great job with you, Mr. Gale, and I uh, wanted to show my appreciation for that. 
Um, I want to do something that we did starting um, 2019. We stopped because of the pandemic. Uh, I know, Nan, you didn't participate uh, in, in our two new commissioners, but I'm going to do our, our no sweat triathlon again. <laughs> Beam fur with a smile. Uh, but uh, you're ready. Bring it so, on, Commissioner. So, Logan. so bring I'm going to bring it on at the end of May, and everyone's going to be invited. I'll pick a place. Maybe we'll have some, some things. It's no sweat triathlon. I don't know if you know what that is. Basically, it was ping pong. It was no sweat. It was free throws. It was bowling. I think we need to add a golf a golf option. No, McKenzie so, will McKenzie yeah, will take us down on that one. We gotta, we gotta no, watch be, that one. Fur, I'm just a twelve. He's, a, he's like a, a two. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, Beam has in his office the putting and the darts. <laughs> gotta do the darts. <laughs> anyway, um, how about yoga? <laughs> what? Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Richard Bogan, you still have the floor. That's it. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. We're getting towards that 12:30 mark, Commissioner McKenzie. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be brief here, but uh, we have an airport director, we have a park director, we have a port everlay director, we have all these directors, and and I just everyone did a great job. I think the director that we're missing, and I think a couple of us hit it today, was who's the director of the residence? How do we get? real-time information to them even now we've shared a lot I'm sure the viewers are confused um, and I'll give you an example I had my staff dial the 311 number right that we just gave out that person doesn't have any direction right now of what to do and then I went specifically into other areas BMSD and they're giving out information to say that you got to call the National Recovery Line. This is no attack on anybody. But what are we doing, as I heard from a numerous amount of us today, to get information to people? Most of the information that we're going, doing, we're just referring, deferring. How do we get? I know you're on TV, but we, 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 we knew we cleaned up the airport. We knew about the gas situation. Uh, we, we, we knew about every department where we had a director and someone who, who immediately shifted into gear and acted. I think we all acted. I think we did a great job here in Broward County. So I'm not taking away from the success. I'm talking about now, the aftermath. And if you could drive through Edgewood, yeah. every car, gone, every house, Destroyed. Merrill's in the center. Destroyed. Merrill's manners. Devastated. They're calling, at least my office, to figure out how to navigate and get help. No one needs water, as our airport director stated so eloquently. This storm was the inability to prepare. We all got that right. What about the aftermath and how we navigate these folks? I visited a home in Merrill's yesterday. A man called me over the weekend, called here. He didn't know me, but he got the number. I go out, he's in a wheelchair. His wife has a tumor she's being operated on, on Wednesday. They're sitting in two inches of water in their carport, refusing to leave their home. They had called their insurance company, so they had insurance. 
they're ripping up floors, and I asked, would you go to one of these, um, as the city calls it, a comfort zone where we uh, station? He said, we're not leaving our home. We're going to stay right here. They're going to finish getting up the water. I said, can we accommodate you in overnight stay? We're not leaving our home. I said, I have a case of water on my on back of my truck. Would you, would, would you like that? No. Publix is open right down the street. We're, go, we're going to Publix. So it validates that some of the stuff that we're doing is not needed. What we do need is how to get people uh, the information they need. Or if it's just something we can't do, FEMA's not here yet, just, we just need to tell people that. Um, and this guy was perfectly happy. And she goes, I'm going to get my surgery on Wednesday. And I want him to go stay with someone, but he's not going to leave this house. People are going to protect their property right now. No one's leaving their homes. They're trying to figure out how can we come to a home, give a hot meal, or restore that home back to its original state. So that, that's what I'm looking for. And I'm not, again, don't take the 311 example as something negative. But if I call that number, that could be my last call for help, my last call for hope. We need to know what the county is doing and how we're going to direct our great energy, our great resources, uh, either to help or refer. Very good. Ms. Sapir, I don't know if that's Tara's department, but uh, you know, obviously we want to make sure we can prepare to get Commissioner McKenzie what he needs, all right? Yeah, and it's... And, and I don't think we need to respond. I think we just need to fix it and get it out to us. I understand, but I just want to make sure that... No, I just want to make sure that I'm, we're I'm on put it. her on we're the spot. On it. Okay. Yeah, no, and, and, and to your point, Commissioner, thank you, Commissioner Bogan. And I did um, tell you to stay on your vacation, do not communicate, you oh, didn't yeah. listen, and your staff did a good job. Of course they did, <laughs> um, but as you know, uh, it's, it's hard to uh, not be hands-on um, on the scene, so, um, but uh, you're right, my team did, did an outstanding job. Um, we have been continuing um, to push information to the cities. Um, and we need to make sure that our 311 folks answering um, the calls are making sure uh, that they have the exact information as well. So based on where folks live and they, where they reside, um, that information, a lot of that uh, assistance will come from the municipalities. And so we need to um, make sure that our municipal partners have that information as well. And we keep pushing it out and we'll make sure that um, their PIOs, their public information folks, mm -hmm. the cities also have it, not just their EM directors and their city managers. So uh, we'll make sure we follow okay. up on that as well and that all of our folks have the exact appropriate information. Mayor? Right. I, Hold I, on, I, I got Commissioner McKenzie still. Oh, I got a solution for you. Oh, here's the solution. So, yeah, okay. uh, the solution I got Commissioner uh, we, Rogers. We, we could just give out his cell number to his community. <laughs> just please, I'm happy to. They, they've done that already. They, they already have it. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a phone call, and, they, and the person's talking to me for, for 30 minutes, and I said, by the way, in case you haven't heard, I, uh, I'm at the county now. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I do have a, a project I'm going to bring back uh, as an agenda item next meeting um, to talk about some of the affordable housing challenges that we have here. So yeah. I'll be getting yeah. with staff to do that. And I do want to reassign, can you reassign my seat? I think this is the worst part of the day is up here. They're well, very distracted. I mean, it's just too much going on over there. And, and I, I was going to say, uh, that's, Commissioner, why we, that's why we got to, that's why we have that. Um, Commissioner so, McKenzie, uh, hold just on. wanted to mention that the Edgewood neighborhood is in Commissioner Furr's district. Uh, yeah, I saw him. He was uh, uh, knee deep in water. 
Commissioner, hold on, hold on. We're getting close to that 12-3. Yes. Hey, I know where it is, but it was so bad that it's like the mayor. He was, he was everywhere. And um, I was from Copens to, to, to the airport. We all were doing something yeah, to address this. But you are our face. You are our voice. Yeah, and but I, without you out there, too, not without us. You, can't, you can't survive. So, so thank you for that. I know, I know. Time, time, Hold time on, to adjourn. Commissioner McKenzie, are you finished? I, I'm done, sir. Okay. Commissioner Rogers, and I'll be able to hopefully get my report here. Right? Hey, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I just wanted Hold on one second, to suggest please. to you that you might just convene a meeting with all the municipalities, and you can do it by Zoom to get some of the yeah, We actually had an emergency call them. with all the municipalities. All, all uh, of them. I guess it was, when was it, Kim? Friday? Yes. Friday. All right. And we so continue, we we continue that. that. Please yep. continue yeah. that. Right. And I just want to share also, Mr. Mayor, <laughs> recreation is good for the soul and good for our mental health. In sunrise on Saturday, between 11 and 2, we just need to get out of the house if you can you and take the family with you. And also, we are doing feeding in, at Piney Grove Church on Friday between 9.30 and noon. So if you need additional information on both activities, please call my office number. Thank you. Right. The floor is yours, Mr. Mayor. Let me Back just to kind of bring it, bring it into uh, to a landing here. Um, just a couple items I want to talk about real quickly. I Mr. want to Mayor, move that we extend until the completion of the non -agenda. Thank you. I was told we didn't have to, but that's okay. If they were say aye, nay, opposed. So I don't get to talk. What are you telling me, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't feel the love anymore, Commissioner. Go ahead. I need to move very quickly. Uh, <laughs> i got to get on that side of the room. Anyway, um, happy 100th birthday to uh, Lynn Warwick. Uh, she's from Pompano Beach. She does an amazing job at Blanchett High School, Commissioner McKenzie, who knows uh, Lynn Warwick. Um, she celebrates her 100th birthday on April the 24th. Um, I was able to yesterday uh, welcome Council General of France to, from Miami to Broward County, present a key. I think that's kind of cool as a mayor. You'll be able to, and those who have served, it's really nice to work with the council generals of all nations. It's, uh, it's kind of exciting. Um, tomorrow, I look forward to participating with Jonathan Daniels and Stacy Ritter at the Cruise Lines International Association Cruise 360 Convention. They bring about 600 uh, travel agents to our community mm. to, we can brag about us and they can go back and sell uh, Broward County. Um, Seafarer's House of Welcome Grand Opening is this Thursday. Uh, it'll be reception to Seafair's house. If you haven't been there on the Port Everglades, it's an amazing place yeah. of welcome where all those folks can come off those ships and take take uh, refuge and have internet and food and opportunities for them to relax. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, so please, if you what want time? to join us, uh, we'll have our my staff get that information to you so you can be part of that. Fleet Week, which is every a year we have starting the Sunday, April the 23rd through 30th, where we have ship tours and everything else. That's at BrowerNavyDaysInc.org to find out the schedule for the Fleet Week events. That's always exciting. I know uh, Commissioner Dean last year was a big part of that as well. Um, I want to talk about, again, I want to thank uh, Ms. Campbell because, you know, being in, in, in this position is when you have such a, an incredible team behind you, but the leadership is there and uh, really just working hand-in-hand -hand with her uh, throughout this process has been just truly rewarding for me, Ms. Campbell, so I want to thank you for that. And also want to thank the state. I want to thank Mr. Guthrie because he came here Friday morning, uh, boots on the ground. He is no nonsense. He was funny because we were in a meeting and he said, uh, you know, um, uh, Congressman Moskowitz, he was the politician part. He said, and I was the, 
get down and get dirty party. He goes, that's how I am. I just get here and get things done. And, and he immediately had food and all of our distributing. We had food, water. He just came and just, you know, made a, a huge impact in our community, he continues to do so. And then it, and it goes on to um, what uh, Monica talked about earlier with Sandy. I don't know if Sandy's here or not. Sandy Mike, I thought he's, he, just, he, he just walked out working with the acting secretary, Ivy, on the business economic opportunities. I think, Monica, they might be changing locations. We'll get that out because of the availability of Wi-Fi, et cetera. I think they're trying to get them the career source building. If we can do that, uh, we can probably service our businesses better, I think, at that location. And then it was exciting. I've been in touch with the CFO, Jimmy Petronas. Uh, he's been calling me and talking about uh, what they have done on the West Coast is setting up, which is kind of very cool for our cars, our automobiles, and want to kind of do it in conjunction with the business economic opportunities, is bring all the carriers, Geico's and, and progressives, and actually set up shop so folks can come in and claim their, their insurance on their cars. And so we're collaborating with him. It's, it's hopefully working with Sandy's department too. So hopefully we'll have that in a few days so we can come together and have a one-stop shop there. And we'll keep the commission community involved in that and get the information out to them as well. Okay. I do want to thank, and I know uh, Ms. Moreau, of course, our PIO, she was caught up north and couldn't get uh, back. Uh, in town. So I do want to thank uh, Marcus Stapleton and particularly uh, Gray Myers who stepped in with me on the PIO level, uh, really organizing all these press conferences, coming at us from every which way but loose. Uh, and, you know, it's, I feel like a robot times, but uh, all in all, it was a great team effort on, on their end too, Monica. So, so thank them. So just a, 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 an experience that we'll learn from. And I think uh, everybody will learn from the private sector as well as the public sector. And we come out uh, stronger than ever at the end of the day. So Broward County is here and resilient and uh, we'll work through all these issues in the near future. But that is it. Great uh, time, a great meeting. This meeting, oh, Miss Monica, go ahead real quick. Yes, if I may, and Drew, um, I'm gonna ask, uh, Drew, I have something for you as well. I was going to ask um, if the, the, the commission would be supportive, if there's no objections, for us to pen a letter for the mayor's signature without objection from the board to uh, President Biden and the um, national FEMA director um, just to um, acknowledge our situation Please. and that we are in the process of, of their process, but to maybe see if we can also copy our congressional delegation and make sure that I, any assistance or pressure. And I want to take to sure, uh, uh, um, uh, Congresswoman uh, Shuffles McCormick called right away. Obviously, Moscow was called right away. W. Washington Schultz called away. All of those folks jumped in immediately, and they are here to serve us. And so let's use that resource. I just wanted to put it on the record, so thank okay. you. And we shared it with Kim. So. Yep. All yep. right. This thank meeting you. is adjourned. Thank you. Good.